0: Welcome to the Rory's Nitro Podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of Pro Wrestling's biggest head to head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by then now whatever's famous Duncan Joyce. How's things?
1: I'm famous
2: me
0: really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Grimm Lee. How are you? I'm not too bad, not too bad. Well, one of you has to be famous and the other infamous, and since Kyle's ducking and dodging the Triple H debate. He has to be infamous. <laughs> <laughs> Ten seconds in, shots fired. I'm going to stop this time. <laughs> nah, it's all good. How's things going?
1: All really, really good. Yeah, been a very good Easter. and some live pro wrestling as well.
0: Very nice. Who did you see?
1: It was Fight Club Pro
0: for an indie promotion and usually
1: based around Wolverhampton, like Midlands. But uh, they did a show in Manchester on Saturday. Very
0: and nice. it was bloody good. Very jealous, as I said. I think it was with Richie last time. He was going to watch wrestling in Manchester. Was it Richie? Was it Carl? I can't remember. I'm very jealous on both it's fronts.
1: progress.
0: Yeah, you might see him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to check in
0: with him. I'll be going to that show. Nice. He's, he's can give me a, a postcard <laughs> <laughs> virtually, of course. <laughs> That'd be good fun. Uh, what yeah. wasn't so much good fun, though, is what we're here to talk about today. Oh, dear. <laughs> and that's episode 37 December to Dismember up against Turning Point 2006. Now, I blame you for this one because this is actually going back in our timeline. And I just blindly agreed to it. I think I've never seen December to Dismember. Let's see what all the fuss is about. And oh, my God, this was a train wreck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I just heard your story. I can't remember. I can't remember which guest episode
0: you had it on. But you're like,
1: oh yeah, I I almost ordered that pay per view and it got cancelled <laughs> or whatever, and I got the refund. So like, yeah, let's do this. i will be intrigued because my knowledge of T N A this time is very very limited. Other than oh, Kurt okay, Angle's there now, so.
0: This was, I think, right at my dropping out of TNA. I was actually t- doing my best to keep up with TNA, as difficult as it was from this part of the world. But it was oh, probably just after this I stopped altogether. It was when the video game came out, and that was a bit of a letdown. I think that was the final straw for me.
1: Oh, no. Uh, I actually got the video game the other, a few months ago because it was like a quid or something. It's a very disappointing video game, but there's some uh, TNA matches on the extras, so I kept
0: it for that, basically. For a quid, that's not too bad. No. I think I think it's still not the worst video game I've ever bought, though. The only game I can say I ever took back and demanded a refund on was Legends of Wrestling 3. Now that was oh, dialogue. Um,
1: I can't remember if it was that or two that my mate got his Xbox chipped and we just messed about with it on the
0: I quite like number one and two, but yeah, number three was it was broken. It wasn't actually a finished game when it came out, so I was having none of it.
1: Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, one and play uh, they put it on like the GameCube demo booths and game and that and that's quite
0: good fun. Yeah, I enjoyed one. Enjoyed two as well. But yeah, number three not so much. And two pay per views here, not so much. Um, So, quick rundown, December to Dismember, obviously, is the notorious ECW pay-per-view that everyone's obviously heard of by now, came to us from the James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia, drew a crowd of 4,800, and a little trivia note, many people might not know, 90,000 pay-per-view buys making this the lowest sports show in history at this point for the WWE. So that's a, a bit of foreshadowing there Of course I got my refund, So It could have been 90,001 Had they not put the satellite <laughs> block on my recorder <laughs> How they managed to re- stop my VCR recording From the cable company I'll never know Ingenious it was Until they had to give me my money back I suppose um, and the opposition, Turning Point 2006, comes to us from the impact zone in Orlando, Florida, drew a house of 900 people, which I'm assuming is capacity for where they were, and a pay-per-view buy rate best estimate I can find is about 35,000 online. So it's actually not that far away.
1: Oh, still pretty good, actually, yeah. Um. as Kurt Angle's only been here a matter of months.
0: Yeah, not far off his failed ECW run. Mm. Which was about probably well, around about the same time my interest in WWE began to wane. It was actually indirectly this pay-per-view that probably stopped my fandom at its peak because not getting this pay-per-view and then reading about how bad it was made me realise I could skip a show. And from there it was a slippery slope after about eight years of buying every single pay-per-view. Oh
1: no, I, I think I was firmly a lifer at this point. Like, 2004 was almost my quitting point in a- Things turn
0: around, yeah. Actually, a little story that I was going to save this for when we talk Triple H, but in case it never happens. um, Speaking of of your top fandom, 2002, Australia lost the rights to pay-per-view and SmackDown simultaneously, when SmackDown was at its best, of course. And, no, 2003, sorry, I tell a lie. And the only way to watch the pay-per-views starting from WrestleMania 19 was to go and watch them in a cinema for about nine months. WrestleMania 19 was a guinea pig, and it was only held in one cinema, about an hour and a half's drive from my house, and that's what I did on a a weeknight. Drove an hour and a half to pay $25 to sit in a cinema and watch WrestleMania. (laughs) wow yeah the next month they started to come to um to the cinemas on the north side of brisbane which is where i'm from and the absolute worst moment of this run was i think was it bad blood that year was it triple h and kevin nash maybe yeah, yeah, that's the pay-per-view, yeah. And um, I was in line for this show, and of course, we're a bunch of wrestling fans forming a big line in the cinema looked at like absolute losers. And at the top of the line was a guy in full Triple H memorabilia, title belt, shirt, everything. And this was at the peak of Triple H hatred. And he was being loathed by everyone in the line. We were already being sneered at by the cinema goers, but out of all of the losers, they hated this one man. And of course, when quizzed on it, he goes because he's the game, and he's that damn good in full gimmick at the front of the line, and I just hung my head and said, I can't do this. It's got to come back to TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that was the first time I met Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) So, moving right along, which show did you watch first?
1: I watched Turning Point first. Turning Point.
0: I actually went the other way, so I'm going to flick the Turning Point, and we're going to go there first.
3: In A, we are wrestling.
2: Where's this one?
0: Okay, so Turning Point starts off with a very old-timey Christmas-style open. It's very much Home Alone meets wrestling here, um, coming in and out of the, the old sort of Christmas flickers into modern wrestling action. Um, and I noticed, not seeing weekly TV at the time, there was a lot of handshakes and refusal of handshakes in the month of December in TNA, because almost every program had a handshake or a healed-out handshake in the opening package. Did you make wind of that yourself?
2: Oh yeah, interesting.
1: Um, there's one of the few where this was especially a strong focus, um, especially in the X Division. But yeah, yeah. I guess they've, I guess they've just nicked all of Ring of Honor's talent, so they will nick the Code of Honor as well.
0: Fair play, and that was big at the time as well. So there you go. We open up, and the first thing I notice is we've got six sides, so we're smack bang after the the sort of where was it, the Nashville showgrounds, and before the Hulkamania, that's a gimmick ring, brother. (laughs) We're in the middle of six sides. And a big heap of pyro to start us off as well, so it did have a big feel here. I know it was in the impact zone, but it looked good opening up. It was very slick, I thought. And
1: uh, there's two entrances as well, which
0: really caught my eye. What didn't appear as slick and big time to me was the commentary team. Um, I hadn't realised this was before Taz had made the jump and we went back to Don West. Oh, my God, he is awful. And he drags Mike Tanay right down with him.
1: He he gushes a bit sometimes, and it's just a bit embarrassing. Oh, my God, he's just so amazing the way he does that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's pretty much spot on.
1: <laughs> just one other less slick thing. Um, did you cop the Turning Point logo was on top of a fire hydrant in all the graphics?
0: No, I didn't notice that.
1: I can't remember <laughs> if it was the opening titles or if it was on the little um, nameplates that came up. I'm just like... just.
0: Why? <laughs> yep, no idea whatsoever. And of course, we go back to some WCW history here because um, back in the day in WCW, many of you will remember if you of, of a certain generation that when the cruiserweights were on, the commentary team was always joined by an expert in the field, and that was actually Mike Tenay back in the day. But this time, they're joined by the innovator of the cruiserweights. Apparently, this is something I didn't know about Kevin Nash.
1: <laughs> the self proclaimed X Division legend. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell?
0: I have no idea what this was all about. And did you cop as well? I think you've got me hooked on the, the picking apart of the Titan and the entrances. He comes out to a knockoff of Puff Daddy's Come With Me.
1: I, I, I went with um, Led Zeppelin's Cashmere, which is where the sample came from. <laughs>
0: It just made me think I was in the cinema watching Godzilla all over again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not just like, I am Godzilla compared to all these flippy indie geeks.
0: (laughs) Oh, and the inside terms start straight away. Catch everyone up to speed. He's actually come out to commentate on a five-man X Division match, and this is for... I couldn't for the life of me keep track of the initials. They called it a couple of different things, but it's essentially a point-scoring tournament between the X Division guys here that Kevin Nash has somehow masterminded. Um... I don't know what becomes of it, so I can't really give you any background information. But the idea is the five men here, it's elimination. The winner gets five points. The first one out gets one point and do the maths for the ones in the middle.
1: Yeah, um, this is apparently going to be a weekly thing coming up. But, but yeah, you know how you're saying last time, out. Oh, what oh, one-on-one X Division match. This is bliss, this. It's finally not a, a multi-man clusterfuck.
0: And back we come. <laughs> I present to you multi-man clusterfuck. <laughs> I was immediately pumped, though, when I realised the first guy out was... I wrote Loki, and then the graphic come up, and he's Senshi now, but I fucking love Loki. He's one of my favourites. <laughs>
1: I marked uh, the next man out for me, because out next was Jay Lethal. Yes. And apparently he's only 21 years old at this point.
0: Yeah, a couple of young pups in this one, and this is pre-Macho Man impersonation as well, is it? Yeah. So, very cool. Um, third man out, Alex Shelley. Why does he have a tripod? I have no idea, and he sets up a camera that doesn't come into play at all.
1: Uh, okay, I think he's got like some kind of like paparazzi gimmick or something.
0: Knock off Eminem, maybe. Fourth man out is Sanjay Dutt. Or the player from the Himalaya, as they call him. Yes, I made it up that as well. I love that name. <laughs> Cracking nickname. That's a good one. And um, last one out, Austin Starr and Austin Aries. A very young Austin Aries. A very hairy Austin Aries. I had to Google to make sure it was really him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could kind of tell a little bit from his physique, but I was like, wait a minute, what? Because <laughs> I thought he was just in Ring of Honor before he had his you know
0: big TNA run. Yeah,
1: this was just a surprise for me. And apparently he's hailing from
0: TV land. Oh, I didn't catch that. There you go. And we're going to pick apart the entrances one at a time. <laughs> um, and of course, as they get underway, Nash, as we talked about earlier, talking about being an X-Division legend, and they talk about Jerry Lynn being the X-Division legend, and Nash drops the bombshell of, I broke him in back in 61. So two things I didn't know, Nash trained Jerry Lynn, and fuck me, they're both old.
2: 61? <laughs> <61. laughs> yeah.
0: So no, he wasn't born then. That's when he trained Jerry Lynn. So Nash was already an established veteran. <laughs> Um, oh christ
1: um just a quick note about the early dynamic of this match so we already established there's a point system where it's elimination and the winner gets the most points but these lads are really happy tagging in and out of this match
0: yeah i guess it does it's never made much sense this in in multi-man matches has it um the most sensical one i can ever remember was when road dog and billy gum pinned each other Oh,
1: did that actually happen one time? Yeah,
0: it, was like a, it wasn't an elimination. It was like a triple threat tag. And I think it was the headbangers and someone else, and they tagged in Billy and Road Dogg being smartasses. So they just pinned one, one pin pinned the other, and they won the match.
1: Ah, because I've seen that like, get teased with New Day and stuff, but I've never actually seen it, you know, the bat plan come through. For
0: about six months, it was called the Outlaw Rule before it, it didn't take off quite like the Freebird one.
1: Ah.
0: We get started with Lethal and Alex Shelley. Pretty good start. Jay Lethal uses the ropes for a low blow on Alex Shelley, which is pretty cool, kicking from underneath it. So that was an interesting spot. Austin Starr gets in pretty quickly, but gets hit by a leg lariat from Jay Lethal. Sanjay Dutt comes in and hits a snapmare and an elbow for a two count. And they're basically all just taking turns doing a move and tagging out, which is the early story of the match. Hit one big move, get out, and let someone else take a turn. We get Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal hitting a nice double team sequence on Alex Shelley. And Nash starts implying that Sanjay Dutt is on steroids on commentary, which blew my mind. He begins implying it, and then he begins, and then he proceeds to outright saying it. That's roids. Right, that's the gas. What's he injecting? It's what was he doing here?
1: It's another inside joke about um, what he deemed was an inappropriate physique, I guess. Um, the annoying thing is that a couple of years after this, Sanjay would get into really, really good shape, and there were whispers about oh, is, it, is, is he on the gas? He's like, no, I'm just focused on my physique.
0: Fuck, this was this was in poor taste. Yeah. Um, from there, Senji tags in and gets a nice big pop from the crowd. So it's not just me that's happy to see him in there. And then we get told that Nash did psychological tests on all the competitors on Impact the week before. So I'm gonna have to track that down at some point and see what the fuck that was.
1: Interesting. <laughs> you know, you're saying how Lethal had the low blow with the Yep. Alex Shelley did this pretty cool thing where he, like, rope burns Sanjay Dutt's crotch on the top rope.
0: (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) Oh, and just on those psychological tests, sorry, I missed my note here, but Nash said that, or or Tanay said, on every one of the tests Sensei came up, warrior. So which Nash says he should shake the ropes a bit. And um, Tanay says he doesn't look like Hellwig. Like, fuck, first match, guys, and we've got steroids and name-dropping. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, the guns are out, cowboys.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a really good action in in the match here, though. There is a lot of in and out, a lot too many moves to, to keep up and note them all, but it's being completely ignored by the commentators, and that's what's taking my focus away here. If they're not talking about insider terms, they're talking about steroids. So it's a complete waste of all the talent involved so far. Sanjay Dutt does hit a nice Tornado DDT for a two count. Alex Shelley hits a nice drop kick um, to Dutt's head in the corner. Dutt hits a nice cutter off the ropes and then puts on a half camel clutch, causing Alex Shelley to tap out, being the first man eliminated and therefore only scoring one point.
1: Yeah, there's a brilliant bit here. So um, Austin Starr had been kind of like pairing up with Shelley in this match, but at this point he drags... Uh, Shelly away from the ropes to prevent the rope break, so that Shelly has to tap out, which
0: is brilliant. Yeah, it was really good, wasn't it? Um, from there we get...
1: Yeah, a lethal combination.
0: So, very cool there. But Sunchi, Senshi... Um... Sunshine. I'm going to call him all sorts of different names in this one. Loki hits a blind tank <laughs> and hits a dropkick to a, a huge dropkick to the chest, eliminating Jay Lethal. So it was massive. He just ran in and launched himself at him. This would be, that's the kind of dropkick I think if you were startled by an armed burglar, you would just launch yourself in full force. <laughs> <laughs> Star comes in and hits a pendulum elbow and push-ups on the pin for a two-count, bit of channeling his Scott Steiner.
1: Right. It's a lateral press. So if he's doing push-ups, is that not breaking a count? Because he's breaking his contact with the guy.
0: Well, did he not? Was his his hands on his chest when he did them, or were they on the mat? I'm trying to
1: remember, because, like, I just, I just got that it's a lateral press, so it's, like, it's not like he's on top of a guy, so I was wondering how much of him's was actually in contact
0: with who he was pinning. Yeah. But still. Real wrestling logic. <laughs> yeah. Surely when he comes up, the force comes off, and you just pop a shoulder anyway, I suppose. Yeah. Senshi hits some nice kicks to Dutt, and he gets a two count. Dutt springs off with a clothesline, and it's at this point where Sanjay Dutt hits some nice offense, and on every move, Nash just under his breath roids, gas. Like, that's the level of his comments here now. It's getting old pretty quick. Star hits a nice brain buster and then a 450 splash for a three count, eliminating Sanjay Dutt. Then Senshi comes in, hits a springboard kick to the face for a two count. Um, Star hits a brain buster, goes up top, um, but Alex Shelley comes back and distracts him, allowing Senshi to pick up the victory with a small package for the one, two, three in a really good match with a shit concept and even worse commentary. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, this match was filled with some cracking action. Some really nice pairings, most of which revolved around Dutt, I thought, especially Dutt and Lethal and Dutt and Shelley, And Loki, his striking ability, just cracking, really. Did you spot after um, like uh, Shelley's mugging at the announce table and stuff with Nash, he's like, looks like I'm number one again! And today's just like... You got
0: one point. I don't know about being number one. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It's, it, there was some good character development from some of the guys in this match, I thought, considering, you know, you don't often get that in the X-Division Cruiserweight type matches, but it was just butchered by Nash. Like, 2006, he's got to know what his reputation is by now, and he can't think this is good for him.
1: Yeah, it's, it's we're firmly in uh, Russo territory, aren't
0: we here? Most deaf. I guess the question there is, does it give a shit? I very much
1: doubt
0: it. From there, it's at this point. Obviously, I said that I watched uh, December to December first, and I thought this is meant to be one of the worst pay per views of all time. So TNA must surely beat it hands down. And um, having watched it, I've watched that first match, and I thought, yeah, the commentary is bad, but you know that's a, that's a decent start. Like, there's going to be some good stuff here. And we go backstage to Jeremy Borash with Eric Young in a robe being interviewed for his upcoming bikini contest. And I'm like, "Yep, this is going to give it a run for its money, isn't it?"
1: Bright pink bathrobe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jeremy Barish's voice is so high and so fast.
0: Yep. <laughs> oh.
1: Like coming up next,
0: and he, he throws to the, the video of um Eric Young and Bobby Roode and Miss Brooks and what led to the bikini contest, and that doesn't make it any better. Having it explained for me probably makes it worse that they developed a video package for this.
1: Yeah, okay. The, the one thing I took from this package was Eric Young beat Robert Rude while dressed as a turkey. <laughs>
0: yeah, from the crowd, apparently. Just came in and beat him. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine, I think, the line that set this up, so it is very forced when Rude's going nuts and he's talking to Miss Brooks and he says, he, he keeps beating me. He could probably beat you in a bikini contest. And it's like, yep, that's still not a good idea, no matter whether its storyline makes sense or not. (laughs) She should have just said, no, we can't, and move on. But that's not what we did. We had a bikini contest. (laughs) Out comes Miss Brooks with Mr. Glorious himself, Robert Rude, um, and Eric Young follows, looking very, very nervous. I wonder why.
1: Eric Young got announced as being from an undisclosed location.
0: (laughs) Parts Unknown 2000 and in the second classy commentary move of the night Mike Tanay and Don West actually guess the breast size of Miss Brooks
1: right yeah I I't know about that annoyed me as well <sighs> right at some point Eric young's going to be in very few clothes in this match but they're not um, speculated over the size of his cock, no they are not.
0: <laughs> Although Don West commentating on the size of my cock probably could bring it up a notch or two, to be honest with you. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, sorry. <laughs> Might talk my wife back into the bedroom if he's on commentary. <laughs> yeah, Don refers to this
1: as talk about a mismatch. <laughs>
0: That's what he'd say if he was in my room as well. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is a hole I'm not getting out of. <laughs> uh, foothead.
1: <laughs> Fuck. Um, do you notice as well, Borash, whilst well, she's hyping up this thing, whilst they're around all these inflatable palm trees for some reason, uh, he, he declares that this is a showcase of skin. <laughs>
0: That's one way to put it. I did notice the inflatable oh. palm tree, so that was classy decor.
1: <laughs> Is it because it's, it's Florida or, you know?
0: Yep, I guess so.
1: <laughs> do some people only feel comfortable um, stripping off when there are actual trees around? Yeah, it gives you a little <laughs> bit of coverage, doesn't it? Well, shade <laughs> um, do harsh lights of the impact cell. <laughs>
0: Miss Brooks takes off her robe and reveals a, not a fairly modest bikini in, in all um, in all honesty. I kind of got the impression she was gonna do the whole sable thing, have a normal bikini then strip down to a skimpier one, but we never went that route. She just was wearing a pretty regular bikini. And then Eric Young takes off his robe to reveal a bikini t shirt and the crowd pop and Robert Roode goes nuts that it's not that's it's not legal.
1: He wants a disqualification in
0: a bikini contest. Yep. <laughs> Which they nearly announce. Um, but he strips off next uh, the T-shirt. He's got SpongeBob boxes on. And they again say that that's not a bikini. So they, the referee and the ring announcer go to announce a disqualification. But Eric Young stops him and asks for one more try, getting the crowd to join him in a one more try chant. Um, and then he takes them off and he's got Spongebob Speedos underneath the boxes. So that apparently is legal. And he wins the crowd vote. A bunch of 900 or so, mostly male crowd in Orlando, thought Eric Young looked better than Miss Brooks. So go figure.
1: Yeah. Um, do, you, do you get it? It, it? He's wearing Spongebob stuff. He's wearing Spongebob bikini bottoms. Ah. And Spongebob lives in bikini bottoms.
0: <laughs> I did not <Huh>? get it. <laughs> 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 Jesus.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you said um Miss Brooks didn't do a sable routine. Well, Eric Young kind of did. <laughs> yeah,
0: one, then the next, and then the next. Gimpier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric uh, Eric Rude. Bobby Rude's not happy with this. He drops Eric Young, uh, but Eric Young does manage to escape and dance a little bit in a pretty shit segment rude then tells off miss brooks tells her that he wants him to wants her to sign eric young because eric young's um popular and that will help the crowd come round if he signs him to robert rude inc mike today on commentary of course says that he's trying to get the rub um mm, uh,
1: rude says uh he doesn't care he should do anything it takes wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we all know what you know. he's he's implying you should do here because, you know, that's what... That's how all women should convince people to their way of thinking. Just fucking hell.
0: Yep. Uh, it's pretty poor. So, so
1: that- Piss-paw, right? In piss-paw segment. Mm,
0: yeah, complete waste of time. And then I was watching this, I was streaming it and my stream dropped out and I flicked it back on and I was on the next match and I thought you know what, I better just rewind and make sure I didn't miss a segment between matches and that was a decision I'll live to regret (laughs) 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 because we got a interviewer outside the locker of Dumb to the Extreme. It didn't dawn on me straight away so I'm obviously part of that that it was meant to be DX and we're told they're outside the lockers of Paula Beckham, Michael Hickambottom. Oh, Jesus Christ. She's knocking on the door, but no answer. And not only are we pretending that the X are there in their shoot names, but we get an impersonator of Big Dick Johnson, which is about the worst gimmick you can impersonate. It kind of looks like Big Dick Johnson and Bastion Booger's love child, because he's quite hairy, this one. And he comes and dances at the door with his oil. And, oh, my God, it's awful.
1: More on this later, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: this won't be the last of it. <sighs> Moving right along, the match that I'd skipped to and should have stayed at was Chris Sabin up against Christopher Daniels for the X Division Championship. Chris Daniels is a champion. We've got Jerry Lynn as a special guest referee. And Christopher Daniels comes out, uh, Jerry Jerry Lynn, of course, being sort of positioned as a pioneer of the X Division here. I believe he was there in 2002 at the start of the company in the X Division. So um, certainly he's got some bragging rights there as well as his previous ECW and WWE stuff. Christopher Daniels makes his entrance um, very cool-looking ring attire here, the big robe and the hood, which he pops off on the ramp, keeping in mind he could have popped off a hood in a much more famous segment and declared that it was actually him, Austin, all along. Have you heard that story?
1: Oh, God, yes. I, really sounds very strange to me. Like Jake Roberts is like the number one rumour I've heard for that, and then I can't remember if it was Prickshard or something. Yeah, It's it like, oh, it could have been this guy. Seems completely out of left field for me.
0: Yeah, apparently he was hanging around in the in the dark matches and stuff at that point, and they proposed him, and Vince shut him down because of his size. So not unsurprising.
1: Um, Daniel's fallen angel gimmick. It's not really a, a babyface gimmick, is it?
0: No, not really.
1: Like he's, I can't remember if it's on the commentary or like on Dave Pence's announcement, but he gets called God's last gift to wrestling.
0: Interesting. Very sort of arrogant.
1: Yeah, I,
0: I guess it's one of those things. Um, I suppose the um, the undead zombie putting people in body bags was never supposed to be a baby face either. I guess. I suppose not. No. <laughs> uh,
1: there's one more thing about entrances. Did you cop Jerry Lynn's music?
0: It was very generic rock, wasn't it? <laughs>
1: it's just this really deep voice going. <laughs> I don't know if he. Um, apparently, Lenny Henry did this sketch like early in his career where he was like, OK. Just sounded like
0: that. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> that must be the ins- inspiration for the Brawn of today. Brawn! <laughs> yeah, fucking love brawn. Biggest baby face going this week, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, so we get immediately dual chance from the crowd, which is a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a smarky thing that I, I don't love, but in the right circumstance I'm okay with it. Before the match, probably a bit soon for the um, Saban Daniels chance. Sabin Saban has a nice move early on as they lock up and start their chain wrestling. He puts on a side headlock, and when Daniels goes to escape, pulls him back by the ear since he's got no hair. I thought that was very cool. That's
1: really great, yeah.
0: Christopher Daniels reverses a -a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker into an arm drag, which is a very cool spot, before hitting a lovely leg lariat for a two-count. A nice suplex and his split-legged moonsault off the middle of the ropes for a two-count as well. Very cool. Then Saban comes back with a springboard dropkick and then a hip toss onto the ramp on the outside, which was quite cool, and then runs down the ramp all the way, which would be not so good for your knees, stops dead, and drops a fist in <laughs> a move that makes absolutely no sense. Pow, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, wrestling logic. Back on the inside, we get a snap mare and a drop kick to the back of the head, a neck breaker for a two count, a slam, and then a leg drop to the back of the head for a two count. All of the offense um, is working on the back of the head and the neck here on Daniels by Saban. Daniels does fight back with an STO, then a couple of clotheslines, a backdrop, a -a tilt-a-well backbreaker garnering him a two-count. We then get a drop kick through the ropes to the floor from Daniels coming through to hit um, Saban, which was a very cool spot. An elbow from the second rope to the floor as well, which looked really nasty, very Mick Foley-esque, that one. Saban comes back with a spin kick and a drop kick for a two-count before hot-shotting Daniels. A springboard DDT for a two-count before Daniels fires back with a Death Valley driver for a two-count. And then a sort of a a cross-face-looking submission move where he locks in his arms and his legs, which is very cool. Yeah,
1: the Koji clutch.
0: Is it? Okay. Um, Yeah, I was very impressed with that. Um, Saban gets to the ropes before hitting, well, a bit of a precursor to the Helluva kick in this day and age in the corner. Uh, before Christopher Daniels catches in with a sort of rock bottom variation and the BME best moonsault ever for the one two three in a really good match. I enjoyed this.
1: Gorgeous moonsault to finish that match.
0: Mm. Off. It's, it's up, up there with Kurt stunning. Angles.
1: Mm, definitely. And it actually hits on target most of the time as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bob Holly's not got a broken arm. Yeah,
1: I really enjoyed this match. Jerry Lynn was a very inoffensive guest referee as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt that that finish was a little bit sudden. That's the only comment I have like, to detract from this match. Like, It was very hard for me to get a sense that Sabin was building towards a win with the way this match was going.
0: Yeah. I mean, I suppose I could have cut off the bikini contest and given them a few more minutes, but <laughs> why would you want to deny anyone that segment? No. After the match, Jerry Lynn tries to get Sabin to shake hands with Christopher Daniels. But neither of them want a bar of it, and Christopher Daniels basically tells Jerry Lynn to bugger off and eats a slap for his troubles. So, a bit of an angle building here in the X Division. This could be interesting to see how that progresses. Mm. What distracted me at
1: this point, though, was a bunch of refs came out to break it down and one of them was wearing shorts.
0: That was the referee from the bikini contest. I want to know, does he always wear shorts or was it just for the bikini contest? Because <laughs> 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 if he always wears shorts, he's the coolest ref ever. It was just for the bikini contest. He's still pretty cool. <laughs> I should point out their
1: actual shorts, they're not Shawn Michaels' boy shorts. No. They, they do go down <laughs> to the Imagine
0: Earl Hebner in that outfit. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> from there we go to our next segment, which you warned me about, and I just it was so boring I couldn't even take notes. I've written on one line. Cornet brings down two baseball guys and Lance Hoyt saves them from what I assume used to be the demon Dale Torborg in a boring segment.
1: Yeah, I've got a bit more on it. So it's some People from the Chicago White Sox and someone from the St. Louis Cardinals, and then my note immediate after that is Who cares?
0: Completely boring.
1: Um, they've got some kind of book that they're plugging, and fans actually chant We Want Wrestling. And you see Connett give a really nervous laugh, like My
0: fans are hot! Tonight. <laughs> I did see that. I was chanting the same uh, thing, waiting for a match.
1: Yeah, for sure. Tanae quips, what the hell did we just see? And Don West claims he ruined a beautiful moment.
0: Yeah, they were shilling a book and one baseball guy turned heel on the other and, oh my god. Just started
1: ripping pages from the book, yeah. What
0: a waste of time.
1: That there was a tremendously crap worked punch <laughs> that one of the baseball guys
0: threw. Yeah, this is not up there with Mike Tyson for your celebrity involvement, is it?
1: Just, nah, yeah,
0: so from there we go to a hype video for a match between Rhino and AJ Styles before Jeremy Barash yeah. interviews Rhino, who shouts for an absolute ice age before AJ Styles comes on the screen and jumps him.
1: Yeah, he's all, I'm not going to let you fly? slide." I can't read my own notes. But Rhino's like, I'm a veteran here, I'm here to help, yadda yadda yadda, because... AJ's relationship with Christopher Daniels was at a bit of a breaking point and Rhino who just had this bad falling out with Christian and he didn't want them to go the same way as as those two
0: fair enough then Um, but yeah it was was not the the best setup here we also get what I assume was meant to be a brawl in the back here starting on to the next match but we break a camera. I don't know if that was a work or a shoot, but the commentary team are telling us they're still fighting and we're just watching nothing really go on. Yeah. The camera does come back and they're brawling outside of the arena at this point. Um, Rhino goes to hit a suplex on AJ Styles. He sort of front suplexes him, so picks him up. And you know how you would drop him gut first on the ropes. He does that on a post box, but AJ doesn't stick the landing and slides off head first in a sick looking spot. Um, We then continue to brawl back into the arena through the crowd. It takes forever. This is WWF main event style at its worst, just brawling all over with nothing happening. Um, We do get a huge backdrop as we get back to the rail. AJ is sent over onto the ramp, which is a pretty impressive spot. And then they ring a bell to start the match after all this.
1: That backdrop was really, really cool, but the commentary team go way
0: overboard on this. Like, oh my
1: god, he was ten feet in the air! I thought he was! Yeah,
0: they do say ten feet, I remember
1: that. <laughs> oh, I remember years and years, like, TNA courted Rob Van Damme, and he'd Give interviews in on Magazine, you'd be like, oh, just you listen to the commentary and they go so overboard on everything and they're screaming and shouting at you, telling you this is the best thing ever. And it's like, no, dude, if it's going to be good, I want to decide for myself, you know?
0: Yeah, and this was that. Something about, about heights in wrestling, though, isn't it? I remember Mick Foley wrote in one of his books that they were talking about the the ramp being 12 feet in the air and then the EMTs walked past it and were at the same height. And he said, there's some t- very <laughs> tall EMTs. <laughs>
4: Brilliant.
0: Um, we get back in the ring. AJ with a really nice leapfrog and a drop kick for a two count. Um, on the outside, he springboards off the guardrail, but gets caught by Rhino and hit with a belly-to-belly suplex on the floor in a very impressive move. AJ's going nuts here.
1: Very nice. Uh, this might seem a bit off-topic right now, but have you seen AJ versus Ambrose at TLC? Yeah,
0: I want to say yes. Um. So,
1: okay. So at some point in that match, AJ tears a hole in his tights. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I swear to God, in this match, there's another hole in AJ's tights. It's in, in the exact same spot
0: as a hole in his tights I wanted to message you while I was watching this and I completely forgot and say, is that a hole in his tights? Because I didn't have the best stream, so I wasn't 100% sure, but it looks like it, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that definitely was in there for most of the match as well.
1: Right, very early goings, even before that belly belly spot. It must
0: have been outside somewhere that he got a rip.
1: Mm.
0: Rhino hits a nice spine buster for a two count and we get, again, the dueling chance of Rhino and AJ and I just... Yeah, it. it just It annoys me. It's very smarky, I think. Just cheer for the baby face unless it's an epic encounter.
1: At the very least, at least it's both pro-some guy chant. It's not, both these guys, both these guys. Yeah,
0: yeah, fair enough. I suppose you've picked a side. Um, from there, AJ hits the Pele kick. Rhino hits a backdrop from inside the ring to out. And then, um, sorry, after AJ had gone for a Styles Clash attempt... AJ holds his knee after the backdrop and brings the referee out who straight away gets my alarm bells ringing by going straight to a very visible X sign in the middle of the camera shot. Um, So, yeah, it was a little bit, I'm not so sure here. But they do a really good job then of making it seem like a legitimate injury. They bring plenty of people down. Rhino's with the referee a few times. And AJ's talking about how he heard something pop, the second Rhino turns around, jumps in the ring, rolls him up, one, two, three, in a brilliant swerve. That was actually really well executed, I thought. And then he legs it up the ramp, gets to the top of the ramp, and does a dance to prove that he's not hurt.
1: <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is more of an angle for the match, really. the brawl had its moments, I just would have liked more of it.
0: Yeah, I came out of this thinking... I just wish they'd have started the match in the ring and had a match because what they did do in the ring was quite good. Rhino can go. I've always liked Rhino. And AJ's obviously the man, so this is at the peak of his powers too. Although you could make an argument that he's better today than ever, so you know, certainly depends on on which way your opinion sways on that one. I love modern-day AJ Styles. I'm very much enjoying his work. So we have a fake Vince McMahon backstage with his back to the camera, with the interviewer holding a cage with a rooster inside or a cock, declaring that I like cocks now. Um, going back to the infamous DX, um, I don't remember what started the whole segment, but I do remember the T-shirt with the big rooster with the you know the stop sign cross over it, um, and yeah, he's um, trying to get into the dressing room of sport, uh, dumb to the extreme. Sorry, uh, just awful, awful stuff. Words escape me on this one.
1: Mm -hmm. he quips who did you expect dick cheney
0: yeah really good stuff
1: (laughs) i should point point out as well this whole vince love cox thing was a good four or five months ago so way to do topical humor tna
0: yep awesome stuff um we go back to rhino and aj who are being held apart by security so continuing that very hot angle just can't wait for a big blow-off match to that one and then we get a video package for America's Most Wanted and LAX, who will be taking each other on at a flag match. Um, backstage, we go to LAX, headed by K-Dog, who cuts a promo that just sounds like a Mexican Bret Hart to me, disrespecting Amer- America, talking about how his country's great. Really a typical, a very foreign, you know, disgruntled heel promo that just reminded me of Bret 97. What did you think about K-Dog here?
1: He was saying something in Spanish about how like, this is the moment where they take control or take command or whatever. Um, bit of casual racism and misogyny here and there. Like he called Gail Kim Lucy Lou.
0: Yes, I quote that as well.
1: And he quips, "You free holes made a big mistake."
0: Mm. <laughs> Good stuff all around.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing I noted from the video package. Gail Kim took a border toss by Hernandez. Yeah, that was
0: sick. There was no protection on that whatsoever.
1: Gail Kim is just the ultimate company woman. Really.
0: Yeah, that, that was brilliant. Really good. That, that just, it looked disgusting. That is how you would always imagine a giant male wrestler would be if he hit a woman. I've got, I have got. I have a note here as well. I had a question to ask you. I know this is maybe not your peak period for TNA, but America's most wanted. Are they a very pro-American gimmick typically, or is this just your standard wrestling trope of you're insulting America? Hey, I'm American. I'll be patriotic this week.
1: Um, they've got American in the name. But... <laughs> I think they've traditionally been heels for most of their run, but they're just like, you know, really like, rednecky type guys so why wouldn't they be like proud patriots i guess
0: i just want to see it go the other way for once an american run down a country and that countryman come out and lay them flat it always just seems to go the other way you're running down america well i'm american i'm gonna put you in your place oh just mm. make it stop it's 2006 by now like come on hacksaw jim duggan's been retired for at least a couple of months Um, We then go to the match, which is non-titled, by the way. LAX are the tag team champions, and America's Most Wanted come out, and we get a brawl around the outside with all four men to begin. We get a... Hernandez throws Homicide over the ropes onto the other two, which was quite cool.
1: Oh, I got Homicide almost botches being taken over the top rope by
0: AMW. Yeah, he does it in like a a sunset flip. Uh, No, sorry, like a, a, a somersault flip over the ropes off the toss, which was... I didn't catch the landing, but it was it was impressive nonetheless. Um, Gail Kim then goes up top and hits a moonsault to the outside on Homicide on the floor in a, another example of Gail Kim just bumping for the business there.
1: Brilliant. And before we get too deep into this match, I want to say very early on, um, my dick move of the night happened here. <laughs> Today referred to Gail Kim as AMW were coming out as the eye candy
0: Oh my god. <laughs> Are you
1: fucking kidding me?
0: And that's Mike Tanay as well, not even Don West.
1: Yeah. Uh, just Jesus Christ. This moonsault, and we've got more coming up from Gail. She's the star of this match. I'm going to put it out there right now.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. She's absolutely brilliant and puts K Dog to shame, who's the trained wrestler. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Gail yeah, Kim's a trained wrestler. The, the, the big-name star, the man, wh- whatever it is. Uh, Gail Kim's definitely Well, the a guy that's
1: been in the business a good decade more than her. Uh, the veteran,
0: yeah. Um, so back inside, um, Harris is in the tree of woe, and this allows LAX to beat down on James Storm. They double-team him for a little while. Before Harris gets out of the tree of woe, hits a plunger under Hernandez, um, and Storm hits a power slam on Homicide. They bring in a ladder, and it's at this point I realise that it's actually not just a standard capture-the-flag, but you've got to capture it and hang it on the device above the ring, which is a little bit different.
1: Yeah, each... So, in the run-up to this, they both um, kidnapped, so to speak, their opposing country's flags. So, their opponent's flag is in their corner, yeah, and it's up so to it. the opponent to grab it and then raise it on the roof of your ladder.
0: Yeah, interesting concept. Before the ladder gets set up to be climbed, it's lay flat, and Hernandez flips Harris onto the ladder in a really sick bump. That looks sore. Mm,
2: Just so, but whilst we're still on um,
1: the subject of rules, Don West goes, basically there are no rules, except the ones we gave you.
0: (laughs) Awesome. We get an awesome double-team spot um, from LAX with an electric chair drop into a top rope elbow, which was quite cool. Homicide hits rolling suplexes on Harris before Harris fights back with a superplex. Hernandez actually captures the flag and begins to climb the ladder to hang it. But Storm climbs up the other side of the ladder and hits a Sunset Flip powerbomb off the ladder in a very cool, I think it's about SmackDown 4 move, that one was introduced. So, awesome-looking spot. Harris gets a hold of his flag, and then Homicide hits him with a cutter off the ropes, which was another very impressive spot, before Gail Kim interjects again with a big missile dropkick. They try to climb the ladder, but K-Dog gets in and dumps the ladder, and then Petey Williams comes out, but Hernandez nails him and then flies out of the ring onto James Storm in one of the coolest over-the-ropes dives I have ever seen in my life. That was amazing.
1: Hernandez, at this point, in his career is just a marvel, really, with the things he can do physically.
0: That was brilliant, and a bigger deal should have been made of it, I thought. It was just breathtaking to watch.
1: Mm. Uh, So, quick note, so at some point, Gail Kim was climbing the ladder, I think you mentioned earlier, to raise a flag. So, we've got this Korean-Canadian lady trying to raise the american flag
0: to avoid the mexican national anthem being played
1: (laughs) (laughs) so incongruous this is
0: brilliant (laughs) is that peter williams comes out and isn't he canadian he's canadian yeah Yeah. and
1: like it was him rude and younger like team canada or whatever and
0: oh my god my head Uh, hurts yeah
1: Um, him and I don't know if, if him and Gale are still in an alliance at this point or whether they will be later on, but, yeah, they do get involved with each other eventually.
0: Harris is climbing up the ladder with Homicide, and James Storm comes up behind, nails Homicide with a beer bottle, but apparently shards of glass fly into Harris's eyes, and they both fall up the ladder. And... Then Hernandez comes in and manages to get the flag hung and LAX pick up the victory over America's Most Wanted in a bit of a strange twist of the flag match, meaning that the Mexican National Anthem will be played over the PA while America's Most Wanted leave the ringside area arguing with each other about whose fault it was.
1: That finish was just shy. I couldn't tell what was going on at first. It took the replay
0: for me to realise.
1: Oh, the glass went in his eyes.
0: It took too long as well because he climbed and it was such a deliberate swing. It looked like the typical wrestling. I'm going to swing and you're going to duck and I'm going to hit my partner. Yes. And then he just yeah. hit him and it looked like a botch. It didn't look like that was the planned spot to me. Well, yeah, that's
1: what um, that was the impression I got as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Other than the shite finish, there were some really great spots in this match. And I mentioned full of praise for Gail Kim in this match. She was she was like the manager of this match. And for a large part of it, she was the workhorse of it. But Hernandez was also brilliant as well.
0: Yeah, he'd be a close second for me. He's Oh, he can move. So really cool. From there, something that's not so cool. We get Dumb to the Extreme coming out. And if you've not seen this pay-per-view or don't know this period of TNA, it's Road Dog dressed as Triple H and Billy Gunn dressed as Shawn Michaels. Uh, This is pretty bad. Um, They come to the ring, followed by a very poor-looking imitation Spirit Squad, which was one of the DX feuds around this period of time. The Spirit Squad come into the ring to attack them, but they get crotch-chopped, and this forces the Spirit Squad to bump um, and sell... And then they call out the fat oily guy, aka the big dick Johnson uh, ripoff. He comes out and sells a crotch chop as well. And as they're doing these crotch chops, I notice I, they've got the the voodoo kin mafia shirts and jeans on. They've got the DX Dad jeans look going on. But how fat is Road Dog here? Like I couldn't tell if he was wearing something underneath his shirt to be muscles, but then it just it didn't come across as muscles. He just looked like he'd put on a shit ton of weight.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think, think he was, was in the best place in his life at this minute.
0: No, I've never seen him this size before. I mean he's never he was never a body guy, but my God he was huge here.
4: Yeah, if, if you follow him
1: on Twitter he's very different. Like he he's always quoting scripture and stuff nowadays and he's always got like a, a, a fe- like a top goal for his day or whatever. I don't think he had that kind of motivation at this
0: point. No, I would say not. <laughs> they then begin to shoot on Vince McMahon.
2: Got the music! Oh man!
3: You see, sometimes, in our business, people have trouble differentiating between parody and reality TV. Well, let us draw the line tonight. What you just saw was parody, and what's next is reality TV. Okay, we had a little fun. Now we're gonna get serious. See him pulling off the masks. You see, I ain't Paul Levesque. Surprise, surprise. It's BG James. And he damn sure ain't Michael Hickenbottom. Kip James. You see, I'm B-Jizzle, and he's Kip James. And by God, we're VKM. <laughs> Becoming VKM, cult favorites. VKM, 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 Voodoo VKM, Kin Mafia. That's what the initials stand VKM, for, among see, other things. see, at first, we were having a good time. You see, we took these parodies as just good humor. But apparently, somewhere along the lines, you had a drastic change of heart, Vinnie Mac. You see, at first... You're a, a, a superior uh, member of your administration, as I like to call him, I refer to him as the offensive coordinator. You see, he said that Vince McMahon, you didn't give a damn what old Slick Willie and B Jizzle were doing down there at TNA. But that's when the drastic change of heart came. You see, we caught wind that you wanted us to stop doing what we were doing. Well, that sounds a little familiar, don't it? Because it's the same damn thing we wanted. Now then, now then, maybe you can remember back when we were employed by you and you ordered us, you ordered us to drive to CNN Center and try to find billionaire Ted. Maybe you remember that one. I remember that one. Then you had us drive to a WCW house show on the back of a stinking uh, land air surface missile that I think you bought illegally from the Iranians. We should actually look into that. (laughs) And then, magically, by a computer-generated airplane and some bullcrap smoke, you made us write WCW sucks right over... The WCW headquarters. So, oh my God, if you're going to sue us for a parody, I guess this is the one to do it for. Wow, where's it going with this? Screw you, Vince! Screw you, Vince! Screw you, Vince! Screw you, Seems to be the consensus opinion.
2: Screw you, Screw you, Screw
3: you, Vince McMahon, <laughs> we were having a good time and you came along as usual and spoiled all the fun. So this is where we get to talk about your big brass cajones you always like to brag about. You see, we're going to lay it all on the table. And we're going to issue right now what I'd like to call the Million Dollar Challenge. What? Million Dollar Challenge? Let me reiterate, Vince McMahon, the million-dollar challenge. What's this about? You see, you got nothing to lose for this one, Vinnie Mac. So we're really going to test how big they are. We offering you. We have got with the bean counters and the upper echelon here at Total Nonstop Action, and they know how we feel personally. And so, by God, unlike you ever did, they're supporting us. Let's get back to the million dollar challenge. You see Vince, we got a problem. You want us to stop and we want you to stop. Every week you are chopping at the very foundation of the dynasty, of the legacy that we were damn sure a major part of. So we have got a proposition that is legitimate and a proposition that you cannot refuse. You see, it don't matter if it's in your house, it don't matter if it's in our house, it don't matter if it's in the hot damn outhouse. We will put up one million dollars, one million dollars, these two son of a bitches right here versus your two boys anywhere. Wow, that's a challenge. No, 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 hit me with this one. You see, you see, This ain't Oh no, hell no. No angles. No spots. No finish. Just men versus you two pussies. And if you've got what it takes, then by God, you bring that crap. Vince McMahon, let's see how big your balls are. You accept our challenge, or you prove to the world that you're a gutless piece of shit.
0: This was just really, really bad. Um, I don't know where to start on this. What What are your thoughts?
1: They went full on Shane Douglas right there, didn't they?
0: It was awful. And Billy Gunn didn't even say anything.
1: Yeah. Um, they say at one point how every week Vince is chipping away at their dynasty with the DX skits, <sighs> And here they are doing this.
0: Yep, I think they've taken a, a, <laughs> a bit more of a chip out of their dynasty here.
1: This segment is awful, but the concept of this is just hilarious to me. Oh, someone on the other show has these really, really crap skits, so wait on to poke fun at them by doing even worse skits to poke fun at them.
0: <laughs> Fucking hell. I they call it a parody as if that's any better.
1: Yeah, how about you focus on you being better as opposed to knocking, you know, crap that's going on elsewhere and thereby making.
0: Yourselves even more crap. Just give me back three live crew when TNA was warm and fuzzy to me. Oh, this was bad. I, th- I think it's best we just move on. <laughs> yes, we
1: we'll
0: moving on. Oh we then go to a, an old favourite combo of mine, Christian and Tyson Tomco, for a promo. Um, an unusually poor promo from Christian calls this whole angle with Sting and Abyss a soap opera, leading into um. Not our main event, but our title match. Abyss defending his World Heavyweight title up against Sting and Christian. Tomko, in the video package of this feud as well, teased that he's got
1: some kind of secret about Abyss.
0: Was that ever revealed to your knowledge? I think it's something to do with his relationship with James Mitchell, but I can't be sure. Did you also notice in the video package Sting calls him Chris?
1: Uh, Yeah, the the whole gimmick they're going for here is that Sting sees the human side of Abyss and is trying to stop him being manipulated by Mitchell and just being a a, a plain old
0: monster. Okay, interesting. Um, The match itself isn't too bad. They get underway. Sting um, attacks and dumps both men outside of the ring where they brawl and Sting comes off the top rope and nails them both on the outside. Tomko interjects early though and nails Sting. They go back in and Abyss takes over on Christian for a while before Christian comes back with a tornado DDT. And I've then got... He starts to beat on Abyss for a little while before we go to one of the old tower suplex spots with Sting underneath as Abyss superplexes Christian off the top rope. Um, Sting hits a clothesline and then a Sting splash on both of them in the same corner at the same time and crutches Christian and rolls up Abyss for a two count. On the outside of the ring, Tomko nails a big boot on Abyss. Sting is able to put the Scorpion Deathlock on Christian but James Mitchell distracts the referee. Tomko tosses in the belt, which Sting blocks and then nails Christian with a scorpion death drop, but Tomko pulls the referee out before the three can be administered. Um, We then beat on Sting for a while before Abyss sends Tomko outside the ring and press slams Christian outside the ring as well. Doesn't actually throw him at Tomko, which I found strange, just throws him to the floor, which looked pretty sore. Um... We then get a goozle on Sting, but James Mitchell brings in the tax before he can execute the choke slam, and he goes to choke slam Christian onto them. But Tomko comes in again with a big boot, and then in one of the sickest moves I've seen in a long time, hits the curb stomp on Abyss face first into the tax. That was out there.
1: Um, any kind of face first tack thing makes me cringe. Like, the first pay-per-view after I started watching the WWF was Cactus Jack getting pedigreed into the thumbtacks at the Royal Rumble. Oh,
0: oh my God. Yeah, nasty. Definitely. Sting goes for the Scorpion Deathlock, but Christian hits him with a chair to the back, and then Abyss hits a black hole slam, kind of, um, botches it trying to knock Christian with Sting's feet, picking up the one, two, three to retain his title in a really bad ending in a pretty convoluted match, to be perfectly honest. It wasn't what I expected with the caliber of guys in here. What did you think?
1: No, Definitely, I really appreciated the early fire from Sting in this match and the very early goings, but it didn't really grab me. And yeah, that finish was just
0: terrible. Yeah, it didn't get the elevation on him. And I guess, you know, you damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you try and repeat or change the spot. But it just looked as though Christian threw himself out to avoid breaking up the pin.
1: I think they were too focused on how precisely Christian was going to collide with no, how precisely Sting was going to collide with Christian or whatever. Instead of just you know just use your full momentum as per usual and then worry about how he's going to come in, into touch with him.
0: Yeah, so a bit of a bit of a miss there, but hopefully they'll be better from all these guys still to come. We then go backstage Mm. and it's Jeremy Barash with Kurt Angle who cuts a promo on Samoa Joe. The story here is Angle beat Joe the first time around and he's giving Joe one rematch and one rematch only no matter what and he ends his promo with his very WWE knockoff, it's real, it's damn real, which I don't like. I much prefer it's true. (laughs) Very serious promo from Angle here though and I thought it did a really good job at selling the importance of the main event. What did you think? (laughs) <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, only one rematch ever, i am not give you another one ever, 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 I promise
0: <laughs> Yep, uh, they got the crowd hook line and sinker on that though, as we'll get to in a moment um, So it is Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle Part 2 And they do the in-ring introductions, Jeremy Barash, who's been everywhere this evening Comes down to do the, um, the Michael Buffer style intros, which gives it a really big fight feel um, I-, I thought that added a lot to this match
1: you know how you're saying about how you were irritated at the back and forth chants
0: before? <laughs> yep, and that's my next note again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, fans are chanting for Savoy Joe, and then immediately when that chant ends, they're like, you tapped out, you tapped out, you tapped
0: out. Oh, it's just, it's chanting for chanting's sake, and it just, uh, it's one of my pet hates. Um, I just... And then... mm.
1: Right after that, they go, Joe's going to kill
0: you. Yeah, make your mind up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a good chain wrestling start, as you would expect from these guys, before Joe comes out with a nice short-arm clothesline and unloads with some really big strikes in the corner on Kurt Angle before backdropping him to the floor. Um, They brawl around the outside momentarily. Angle gets back in and comes over the top with a plancher under Joe, which is something you don't see very often, Kurt Angle flying. And it's a really good hard-hitting match as they brawl around the outside once again. Back in the ring, Angle hits a nice suplex for a one count before exchanging submission attempts. And Angle hits a lovely belly-to-belly for a two count before Joe fires back with a beautiful flipping German suplex on Kurt Angle. Just launches him into midair. This is definitely something out of a video game. Did
1: a 360,
0: bro. (laughs) This brings up the... Tried and tested, this is awesome chant from the crowd, but in this situation, I don't mind it. When it is awesome, chant it's awesome. Before the match has started, not so much. Angle hits three German suplexes before locking in the ankle lock. Um, Joe reverses it and hits a really big knee in the corner and a Pele kick. Angle then reverses a muscle buster to an ankle lock. Uh, the crowd's getting pretty hot here. He hits an angle slam for a two count before putting in another ankle lock. Uh, this is reversed into the Kakita Clutch. Which is then in turn reversed into the ankle lock and um, you, say, you see you uh, see sorry you hear Don West on commentary say you see Joe was so close he'll never get that chance again as Joe immediately locks in the kakita clutch for a second time <laughs> oh just bad stuff um, angle goes back to the ankle lock it's a fairly long sequence here of somehow finding a way to get out of the ankle lock into the kakita clutch and back to the ankle lock, but it works for these guys because they're so real and they've got an air of credibility about them, I think. Angle then puts in the ankle lock and Grape finds the legs, uh, but Joe gets to the ropes as the crowd go absolutely wild with more This Is Awesome Chance. Angle then hits his top rope belly-to-belly suplex, which only garners a two count. Joe reverses an angle slam into an arm drag. The ref gets bumped and he locks in the Kakita clutch. The referee taps out, but there is no... uh, Sorry, the referee taps out. Angle taps out, but there is no referee there. And I'm straight away just writing in my notes, please don't give us another swerve. This is really good wrestling. I was fearful that someone was coming down the ramp next. What about you? I was
1: was thinking some kind of fuck finish was coming up here. But
0: But thankfully, no one comes down the ramp. Um, Joe goes up and checks on the ref, and Kurt Angle, in a bit of a heel move, hits him with a low blow, which garners real heel heat from the crowd who boo him mercifully. He then brings out a chair, goes to swing, and in one of my favourite wrestling spots, misses Joe, bounces off the ropes and catches himself in the face. Joe then locks in the Kikita Clutch, and Kurt Angle taps out in a really solid main event. I enjoyed the hell out of this. What about you? Really good
1: match, yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier, we've had some good wrestling tonight, other than some of the shite we've endured. But this is... People have their say about Kurt Angle's main event style, but this is the way you can escalate tension and the building of offence to thinking, oh, boy, is the match going to end at this point? Rather than say, like, the ExoVision match where it just ended out of nowhere. This was just filled with great near falls. It was the first time I felt genuine drama watching the match tonight,
0: I think. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It built perfectly, didn't it? Because I was probably... this was I was I When I was watching the main event, it was quite late in the night. And I'd say for the first couple of minutes I was half paying attention and really sort of thought, oh, it's going to be a bit of one of them. You know, some main event matches that are going to go half an hour, they tend to build really slowly and they just have a bunch of kick-out of finishes. This wasn't that. This was a paced match that built bit by bit by bit and then told a story without having to kick out of 10 finishes. Um, the story of Angles beat him once and he's not sure if he can do it again, so he's going to take that cheap shot. And Joe catches him and beats him to even the series was just brilliant, really good storytelling.
1: I think in this instance, the trading the finishers was... More focused on the submissions and the, the escaping and the reapplying of submissions, so it, it, it didn't feel quite so strained as if you know it was a finisher always in the near fall kind of thing. Yeah,
0: for example, Joe never hits a muscle buster in this match, so you know yeah. really good stuff. We get a lot of replays of the match as the commentary team hype it. And in this instance, they are right. It was brilliant. Um, And I'm pondering whether or not we'll get round three as the crowd chant one more time to end the show. And I have to say, as an ending, the crowd chanting one more time right after your main event makes you look pretty big time. I've got to pat TNA on the back for going to the credits at the exact right moment. Mm -hmm. So, overall thoughts on the show? That was certainly an education.
1: <laughs> um, really up and down the show. Went from very, very good wrestling to what the fuck is this doing on pay per view?
0: It was a mixed bag.
1: Moments. I'd <laughs> say so. Yeah.
0: But no, I definitely enjoyed that main event, and it makes me want to go and watch part three. So we'll have to track that down at some point.
3: Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies set- floor. Let the body set the floor.
0: ECW opens up with a hype video for the Extreme Chamber. So, Elimination Chamber with weapons in all the pods is the rundown of what's going on here. Um, I think this would make a great playset for Mattel. And then we get the commentary team of Joey Styles and Taz. Um, nothing to me, says ECW, more than Joey Styles and Taz Then immediately throwing to Carlos and Hugo for the Spanish announced team. <laughs> 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 oh, my God.
1: Um... Yeah, Joey suggests that Augusta may be infamous from now on for the first ever Extreme Elimination Chamber match.
0: Yep, I think he hit the nail on the head.
1: (laughs) Um, Joey also at some point goes, a new ECW champion will be crowned. Spoilers,
0: mate. (laughs) (laughs) He might defend it. So we get the first match of the evening is one that didn't appear to have a lot of build. Um, they show a little video package to show that I think it just set up a couple of days before on SmackDown maybe, or the Tuesday on ECW. I think it might've been actually it's Eminem up against the Hardy boys. And I'm led to believe at this point in time, my memory is hazy. Neither of these teams were full-time tag teams anymore, but got back together for, for this match. So make of that what you will.
1: Matt and Jeff were on separate brands
0: as were Eminem actually. There you go. Um, we get the typical Eminem entrance, which is always a sight to see as Molina slides her way under the bottom rope. And yeah, we get the, the recap after the entrance. Sorry, it is the Tuesday prior, and the challenge was then accepted on Raw. We get a huge hearty chant before the bell gets us underway. Um, Joey Mercury as well, looking very strange with his dreadlocks here um, and his fluffy boots as well. It's a far cry from J&J security, that's for sure.
1: I thought he looked ridiculous. He literally just looks like he's got a mop head on his head.
0: Yeah.
1: That's how incongruous it is compared to, you know, his his general image.
0: (laughs) When we get started, Matt hits a side headlock and then a shoulder block and a hip toss before Jeff comes in and works over the arm of Mercury. Hits a really nice drop kick from the apron to the inside on Nitro and then the Hardys double team both with their usual Hardy offence. Eminem takes over on Jeff as the crowd calls Melina a crack whore. So.
1: Yeah, and she just screams at them in reply.
0: Yeah, Taz says that he loves the scream and his opinion on that doesn't stay that way all the way through the match because she does begin to scream and doesn't really stop. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, There are also a fair amount of Nitro sucks chants, which I'm sure is a sentiment ECW fans are familiar to expressing. Yep,
0: dual, dual chants with a different purpose there. <laughs> Um, Eminem take over they're calling her a crack whore Matt nails a crucifix sit out onto Nitro before Melina interferes and Matt Hardy hits a clothesline or sorry eats a clothesline or as Taz puts it the old trapperoo there
1: Yeah, Melina's like head-scissoring Matt on the apron, and I must point out, Melina's in a skirt in in her outfit, so it's a bit risky, and Taz is like, who wouldn't want to get head-scissored by Melina? Hello?
0: (laughs) Taz on commentary here was just ridiculous. Through the whole night, actually. This is a note I keep coming back to. This can't be far from the end of his run, because he appears as uninterested as any commentator I've ever heard.
1: Yep, he also reveals that Michael Cole wasn't a big fan of women.
0: Yeah, nice one. <laughs> I um yeah, I did catch that later on as well. So really good stuff by Taz. He appears to just not give a fuck. Maybe he figured quite rightly no one was gonna watch this show. M&M um, double team on Matt for a while um, as Taz tells us Michael Cole's not a big fan of women as you just said then <laughs> before Matt nails them both with a double neck breaker M&M fire back using poetry in motion and Matt finally gets a hot tag to Jeff who comes in was it inverted atomic drop his classic leg drop to the balls for a two count and then Matt sends Uh, mercury out of the ring and hits a plancher to an ecw chant nitro then comes over with a tope to both with a huge uh, huge dive there and jeff comes off the top rope nailing all three in a really cool sequence of of dives and jumps to the outside back to that plancher
4: though
1: the first one where it's it's either matt or jeff that goes on to
0: joy mercury yeah it's matt first
1: it's Matt first. He just practically slams Matt Hardy to the floor. He just does such a terrible job of catching
0: him. Yeah, pretty awful. Back up, on... like Mizley. <laughs> Back on the inside, the Hardys hit Poetry in Motion, and then the Twist of Fate. But they miss a Swanton, and Taz tells us that he got the old crash and burn a Rooney. Like he is really just phoning it in here. <laughs> Nitro hits a springboard drop kick for a two count and Melina is going absolutely ballistic on the outside and I just have to write, Nash should have been on commentary asking whether or not she was on drugs because she was not well during this match. Eminem then double team on Jeff for a while. Nitro hits a nice um, breakdance leg drop, you know, his old sort of up and over and spin and hits a leg drop for a two count. Before then... mm,
1: Back to this double team. They did a double catapult. Yeah, that was
0: a weird spot, wasn't it?
1: I know. I can't think of if I've ever seen that before.
0: I want to say maybe they did a similar spot in their ladder match, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. So you'd have to check that one out. No,
1: yeah. and um, right around the point, uh, Nitro was doing his breakdancing. There was a sign in the crowd that said Sokatoa on it. <laughs> I don't know if you remember from your school maths, but that's how you remember how you figure out the, the trig pairings, like when you're doing angles within a triangle. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would bring that to a show. But... As a mathematician, I'd like mark
0: Fair I, enough. I'll give you that one. <laughs> we then get, <coughs> excuse me, a really cool springboard-style demolition device for a two-count by Eminem. Um, found that quite a nice modern twist. Jeff gets a whisper in the wind on both of the heels, ending a really long heat sequence from them. Gets a second hot tag of the match to Matt Hardy, who nails them both with strikes and slams. And then hits his really cool uh, bulldog on one while clothesline dropping the other one to the heels. Um, Hits a side effect on each of them, gets a two count. Second rope leg drop for a two count. And then we've got Matt goes to give Nitro to Jeff on the top rope. For sort of a powerbomb I think but Mercury saves and Nitro run is off for a two count so that's one of them weird wrestling moves where they try something they've never tried before just to be reversed Um, Hardy's then hit them both with superplexes before Nitro accidentally drop kicks Molina and Jeff rolls him up for a two Eminem hit the snapshot for a two the crowd are really into this it's a long match but they've held their attention pretty well all the way through they then go
1: oh yeah the the reaction for Molina getting knocked off for the apron especially
0: was huge. Yeah, it was nuclear. It was, it, it was probably a more visceral reaction than Stephanie going through the table at Mania this year, to be honest. They were really hot for it. Maybe.
1: Yeah, it was a really nasty fall <clears> as well.
0: They go to the top rope for a top rope snapshot, but Matt Hardy manages to hit both the heels with a twist of fate, and then Jeff Swanton's and mm-hmm. both for the 1-2-3 in a long match, but a good match, a really good opener. So um, this pay-per-view started off with a bang.
1: Yeah, it was a bit laboured and lethargic in places because obviously they had a lot of time to fill, but they definitely, they, like you say, they kept the crowd onside, really invested, and they had some really good ideas in general. So it was pretty good. I was pleased with match. The moves
0: and the action were good, but having building the two separate hot tags made me think that this match was planned and then they were suddenly thrown a lot more time than they thought they were going to have. It sort of it, it looked as though they had a 10-minute match planned and then they chucked another one on top of it.
1: This felt like a couple of years after that, there'd be like the formula SmackDown tag team match where it's two singles guys teaming up, so they each had to get a hot tag in. So someone would get a hot tag and then, oh no, we are actually turning around, commercial break, and then the other guy get a hot
0: tag. Yeah, very much like that. Um, We then get a RVD promo, which we're told was an ECW.com exclusive and says the risks of the chamber are worth the world title. So good RVD promo. He didn't say whatever or cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, the price is worth the prize yeah, Good line From there we go to ECW original Balls Mahoney Up against ECW Johnny-come-lately Matt Stryker In his um, Mean Street posse meets Val Venus attire <laughs>
1: <laughs> I find his voice so annoying now After years of his commentary And especially on Lucha Underground Some of the things he'd say
0: uh, well, you get to hear plenty of his voice because he comes to the ring and cuts a promo in-ring. Um, he says he's going to restore order, not violence, and we're going to see an extreme rules match, extreme enforcement of the rules match. So, that's a good line. <laughs> that was <laughs> quite good. Uh, we get a big balls chant, which is quite amusing. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so- while Matt Stryker was setting up the rules he was like, I want no manoeuvres off the top of the ropes you do know who you're wrestling here, right?
0: he's not exactly coming with a 450 splash
1: and you know you mentioned we hear a lot of his voice in his entrance music, there's lots of little quips from him, and one of them he says, it's not how hard you work it's how smart you work
0: (laughs) good line um he's got his, his face on the back of his tights as well and joey comes out with a brilliant line where he says you've got to wonder about a man that wants to sit on his own face
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Um, there's this wrestler on the british independent circuit called james drake and he's got like a picture of his own face on his trunks as well so he routinely gets ass face chants <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got his own face on his ass. He's got his own face on his ass. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Striker's <laughs> also wearing pink. So then when Balls Mahoney comes out, Task Quips, whoa, oh, here comes a guy who doesn't wear pink, I can tell you that.
0: Mm. Ah, there's a lot of implying here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brett yeah, yeah. Just Absolutely. He's a man's man, isn't he? He's a heck-
1: Exactly, it takes a heck of a tough guy to wear
0: pink, mm-hmm. knowing
1: how some people's
0: ideas of masculinity yeah, are. This is a bit of a throwback to the 1970s on commentary. From well, the match does get underway, and Balls Mahoney actually wrestles, which stumps Match Striker early on, including a leapfrog, which was really cool.
1: Well, Joey mentions on commentary, Balls Mahoney was actually an amateur wrestler in high school in New Jersey. But he punched out a referee and got banned for I
0: have heard this story before. I'm pretty certain that's true. I don't know if he punched the referee or not, or if that's embellishment, but I'm certain he definitely was an amateur wrestler that got banned for life for something like that. So I'm pretty sure that's true. He yeah. um, It's a nice arm drag and cross arm breaker early on as well, um, before having his shoulder sent into the post, and then Striker begins to work over Balls' arm with an arm breaker. And then after... Him- imploring the referee to follow all the rules, including no hair pulls, takes Balls Mahoney down by his hair the heal him.
1: <laughs> he a really nice, very on the regal color. Yeah, Like, um, straight jackets, his arm around his throat. Was pretty I love good. that
0: move, me. He goes all over his arm. He gets a two count off that cutter as well. Um, And then the crowd are really sort of getting all over him here. Before Balls comes back with his balls punches, you know, the big road dog-esque jabs with the crowd going, Balls on every punch, but sells the arms. So he's cut off by his own pain. Uh, He hits a side slam on Stryker for a two count instead. Before Stryker comes off with a rolling armbar, Balls gets into the ropes and then hits a back suplex. Uh, punches and backdrop, punches and a sit-out spine buster for the three-count. three, three count, um, Bit of a short match and way too much match striker offense, but the crowd are still awake at this point and seemingly coming along for the ride. So what did you think about this one?
1: Well, apparently the crowd like to chant balls.
0: <laughs> Who knew? I bet they're all wearing pink.
1: <laughs> Before Striker got the Fujiwara armbar on, Balls went on the top rope. Why? You heard the
2: rules <laughs> early
0: on. He on the top rope. Oh, he's begging Bill Watts to come out of retirement.
1: Yeah. Um, I appreciated the there was some decent psychology in this match, but this was a pretty basic TV match. Yeah, really. I think
0: you've got the nail on the head there. It's definitely TV viewing. We go backstage to see Punk Shadow Boxing preparing for the main event. And then we go backstage somewhere else to see Sabu lying face down and my notes just say this is the beginning of the end as well as my dick move of the week for WWE creative selling an ECW pay-per-view and then taking one of the stars of the show out after you had everybody's money you assholes.
1: You can hear some very audible bullshit chants at this scene. Yep.
0: Uh, You know, it's funny. I I think a lot of people felt the same way about the 99 Survivor Series when Austin was taken out of the main event. And as big of a star as Austin was, because the show was so hot, I never thought of that until years later when I started reading online. I just watched it and accepted it for an angle. Austin's hurt. Someone else comes in and we got a a title change. This year felt like, no, fuck you. You've taken our money and you're taking one of the three guys we care about out of the show. And, yeah, it was bad.
1: Well, you see, the Austin incident, they ran him over with a car. So, you know, I could buy he can't compete after that sabu we don't see what happened at sabu and we're used to him being this really really crazy guy who like takes up his old wounds from barbed wire matches and we're supposedly, we supposedly can't compete in the match tonight. Yeah, with no yeah.
0: blood or weapons or any damage done he's just been hit um, somehow and yeah. of course um, when we find out who the replacement is that dick move of the week is amplified again <laughs> Um, he, he takes a stretch of job out RVD and Punk are both there looking concerned and yeah you're right the big huge bullshit chant resonates through the arena from there we go to our next matchup which is Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turki up against the FBI and as they make their entrances I just write holy shit it's Pope
4: <laughs> I was just saying on
0: our last show <laughs> how much ball. I love him and here he is I didn't realise it was Elijah Burke he's much yeah. better as Pope D'Angelo he definitely finds himself a, a bit
1: more in TNA, I'll, I'll, I'll
0: put it like that. Yeah. Um, he's also wearing this weird hat that looks like it's just missing the propeller on top. Uh-huh. Um, Yet another in-ring promo to start this match. <laughs> yeah, and um, not much to it, really. I mean, he's sort of the mouthpiece mm. for Turk uh, Turkai, who I guess they had high hopes of, who's sort of a bit of a Rusev kind of character here, early days, but not obviously not as entertaining or versatile as Rusev.
1: Um, Pope promises, like a wild animal on heat,
0: we'll leave our mark. Oh. <laughs> Very sexually charged.
1: Uh, oh, the other things. Well, um, I didn't realise Little Guido had a surname.
0: No, not did I actually. I didn't write it down. Did you write it down? <laughs>
2: no,
0: no, I didn't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> I might cut this. <laughs> He's out with uh, Tony Mamalouk, who um, I don't really remember much about from ECW. I don't think he made any of the, the more famous pay-per-views or had anything really memorable, but I, I guess that's where they, they were from. Um, Guido rides Burke early days and steals his hats. <laughs> very, very um, amateurish stuff here before Mamalouk comes in and it's a, they hit a double-team hip toss and some elbows on Burke. Before Takai comes in, catches Guido, and then uh, a really cool monster heel spot while he's holding Guido in the slam position. Mameluk comes in and eats a big boot, so that's really impressive.
1: I-, I spotted at this point someone in the crowd was wearing a VKM shirt. Oh no!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe we're wishing they were elsewhere. Uh, yeah,
0: maybe. <laughs> he presses Guido from inside the ring out to Mameluk. And then Burt comes in, locks in a chin lock, um, and my notes here are just basically just say Taz is an absolute train wreck on commentary, as we spoke about earlier. I don't know what he said here, but he's obviously pissing me off. <laughs> well,
1: Joey was a bit incongruous at this point. The, they were working the, gui- the, the heat on Little Guido, and I think Marlou knocked out or something and joey was like oh he, he could hang in trinity instead i'm like have you seen the outfit she's in she's she's not in an outfit to compete no in. that
0: was um, an interesting choice of outfits too i didn't mention before the intros it's
1: really complicated looking it's like a, a
0: flesh on lycra checkerboard
1: it, it's like brutus beefcake attacked it <laughs> even more than he usually attacks his
0: own trunks. yes yeah, uh, that's probably a good analogy there um Elijah Burke hits a nice STO for a two count. And the crowd actually started a chant here. Did you catch what the the first real disgusted chant of the night was?
1: Change the channel.
0: (laughs) On pay-per-view, change the channel. On pay-per-view, yeah. (laughs) It's going to be bad if you should watch something else, not the show you've paid for. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's interesting. Like, this match yeah, it's not really got an ECW feel and coming hot off the heels of kicking Sabu off the event, I can understand the logic, but oh, I didn't realise it was this early they got going yeah. um, Tony Mamalouk comes in and hits a couple of drop kicks, then they hit a double drop kick to the knee and the face simultaneously of Turkai, and then a double flapjack on Burke, before Elijah gets in, hitting the Elijah Experience for the 1, 2 and the 3, picking up the victory for the bad guys
1: Yeah, uh the, at this point, the Elijah experience was basically Jeff Jarrett's stroke mm.
0: and then we
1: get post-match Turkey hits the muscle buster on Little Guido and there's some guy in the crowd that actually chants TNA yeah,
0: Um. and this was just for me, another TV match so I don't know what your thoughts overall are, but yeah, it got it's just a complete,
1: complete nothing match, really, I thought Turkey was a bit of bollocks filler, yeah um, and I think it was either just after this match or like, in some segue, I can't remember the context of it, but Taz just goes at some point, I don't like
0: rhetorical things. <laughs> it's just awful. This is the worst Taz commentary I've ever heard on any show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we need a little uh, We need Matthew <laughs> to like, quote some of these. Oh, no, it's,
0: it's really bad. Just put a fucking orange pair of Oakleys on a Mr. Potato Head and you've got a better commentator than Taz.
2: And your angry <laughs> eyes!
0: RVD and CM Punk backstage watch Sabu head off in the ambulance as we spoke about earlier. And we go to our next matchup, definitely worthy of pay-per-view, Tommy Dreamer taking on Davari. Well, I know,
1: I definitely... This is a main event match anywhere across the globe, Oh, my
0: please. God. Um... And I've got here a note that just says, if you don't mention the Davari eyes on Titan Tron, I'll be very surprised. Oh, yeah. Like, that was literally it, wasn't it?
1: It's was just like Davari, and then he's looking in the camera. And it's Davari looking in the he's, camera. He's
0: the dog did. with the shifty eyes. or Is it the dog or the baby with the shifty eyes off Simpsons? I think it's a dog. He's just yeah. looking, just a set of his eyes. It's um a lot like the Luke Harper Titan <laughs> But, yeah, mm-hmm. awful, awful stuff. Um, Carly comes out with Davari because we're in that era of WWE, which should really help us think. Um, and Daivari cuts a very general Adnan-style promo. I think it was just totally fast, yeah. wasn't it? I don't he, remember anything. He, he didn't yet. say, Sergeant Slaughter, but everything else sounded the same. Uh-huh. Um, Davari strikes after... Um, Carly distracts Tommy Dreamer to start the match. Tommy Dreamer fights back with a hip toss and Davari bails to the outside. Dreamer then hits a drop toe hold.
1: Another hip toss in the early going of this match. Sorry to have a bit of gimmick infringement here, but damn it, d <laughs> Um, Taz quips about Carly here. The guy looks like a small building. <laughs> Maybe to you, he's you're like 5'2 or whatever, but... <laughs>
0: You oh know. no! It's just oh, just phoning it into the extreme.
1: The other thing as well, Styles was going on on commentary about how Tommy Dreamer is one of the most popular athletes in the history of all of ECW. Just as Tommy Dreamer was coming out to like the most mediocre reaction ever. Yeah,
0: nothing going on there whatsoever. He wasn't saving this. Davari hits a nice baseball slide and they brawl around the outside for a while. Dreamer hits a suplex and Carly lowers the ropes, causing Tommy Dreamer to hit the floor. The referee then ejects a great Carly. Dreamer locks in a chin lock as the crowd chant, we want hardcore. Yeah. Um, I thought
1: it was really... Weird. The early goings of this saw Tommy Dreamer was the one that was wrestling and Da'Vari was the one who was brawling.
0: Yeah, very strange. Um, I guess taking them all out of their element and putting them in normal matches with WWE gimmicks against them really hurt the rhythm of a lot of their best work. Um, we've got here the crowd really starting to turn on the event as a whole as Dreamer locks in a sleeper in a really dumb, a dull sorry s- sequence. He then hits a backdrop and a reverse DDT for a Um, two-count, sidesteps a crossbody off the top from Daivari, hits his very cool Tree of Woe dropkick, as Joey Styles tells us it's vintage Tommy Dreamer, (laughs) channeling his inner Michael Cole. And Daivari then, out of nowhere, hits a roll-up, grabs the tights, and one, two, three, to beat ECW original Tommy Dreamer in a move that will surely please all the ECW fans in attendance. What the fuck is going on? Is this an inside job? Is this purposeful sabotage?
1: Um, I thought out of Hassan and Daivari, Davari was supposed to be the worker of the two, or at least that's what, you know, history has been rewritten to oh. me. I can't remember him doing anything other than a kick, a punch, or a rest hold.
0: Yep and he gets the three count on Tommy dreamer and without hitting anything of yeah any significance whatsoever. This was fucking awful.
2: Yeah. This, this was just garbage.
0: garbage. I'd, I'd put this, I'd put the decision to eject Carly and then still have Devari go over up there with the decision to send road dog and Billy gun out in the state. They were in on bad decisions on this in this month of wrestling. Just really shit. Um, he then chases Divari up the aisle, allowing Carly to come out and get a hold of him and hit him with his double hand chokeslam on the metal ramp, which looked really fucking sore. And Dream is telling the referees, checking on him, that he can't feel his foot. So he's been beaten by Divari fairly clean and then paralyzed on the ramp by Carly in a really, really good advertisement for the ECW originals.
1: Well, you see, he's all like, I can't feel my feet. And then, two minutes
0: later, he's up and yep. walking. So, he's floating on air, apparently.
1: Some fan in the crowd before Dreamer got choked I was like, this is an extreme, it's
2: entertainment!
0: <laughs> yeah, Betty it didn't get extreme there. Do,
1: do, do you not want to be entertained <laughs> by extreme stuff? <laughs> yeah,
0: poor choice of words. Um, backstage, Paul Heyman is with Hardcore Holly, who he names... Sabu's replacement for the main event. Oh, my God.
1: Heyman's all keep in mind, it's every month for himself.
0: Mm-hmm. This, yeah, bad, bad choice.
1: Um. So Heyman says, I'm looking forward to seeing this match. And Holly replies, so do I. <laughs> eh? you've been put in the match. Do you plan on just standing in the pod and watching everyone else batting He's got something? a monitor.
0: <laughs> Um, And then it's our next match, Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly up against Kevin Thorne and Ariel in a mixed tag match. Kelly Kelly comes out in the skimpiest shorts I have ever seen in all of my life. Just the first note that comes to my mind. The Second note watching this match is Kevin Thorne. So here's a character where when he was out... um, ECW got some action figures released in mm-hmm. by by Jax in the WWE line at this time. And at one point in time, I, I can't remember how old we were, but it was around this time. Anyway, my brother wasn't talking to me and it was his birthday. So as a bit of a joke, I bought him the Kevin Thorne action figure. The result of which was he remained not talking to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if he ever opened or if he just threw it in the bin, but that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> not effective to there.
1: one thing I I found hilarious here the concept of Kevin Fawn. he's this big vampire dude but he like you see he's still got a Nike branded elbow pad he's not above going to all the regular gym shops (laughs) as everyone else
0: maybe Ariel distracted them while he stole it
1: maybe Uh, yet another pre-match mic time slash promo thing yeah I guess they're
0: all just buying time at this point aren't they Um, Ariel of course on the apron is doing her best to show the whole crowd her ass just jumping over the rope in a short skirt purposely having her ass on display for the entirety of her time on the apron so making no attempt to hide that whatsoever we'll get there's more of that coming up Kevin Thorne starts off with strikes and a back elbow um, and the camera goes right up the skirt of Ariel it's um, definitely getting worse as we go on um Mike Knox hits a snapmare and a clothesline. Kevin Thorne comes back with a short clothesline. Knox hits a slam and then a bicycle bicycle kick even for a two count before the girls come in and Ariel beats up Kelly Kelly a little bit. Then gets a leg choke as an excuse to get her ass out once again in the corner. And Knox hits a um, short arm and tag and half the crowd applauds just to get the girls out of the match. We then get a CM Punk chant. Um, one of the stories of early ECW was Kelly Kelly was infatuated with CM Punk, which pissed off Mike Knox. So it's not like today where they chant it because they don't like the match going on, though that probably wasn't too far from the truth either. Uh, uh, well, that
1: was what she got on the mic to say, because she was wishing CM Punk luck for the main <laughs> event, and it pissed Knox yeah. off.
0: Um, we then get a choke slash STO and sit on the face for a three-count can't even remember that spot now but it sounded interesting
1: uh Uh, i have here choke trip and sexy pain by ariel the free.
0: really really bad match um just awful awful stuff i agree with joey Styles' summation here at the end of this match he went mercifully this match is over there's no hiding how bad this was they then continue the sorry go on just
1: just a couple more notes on commentary for this match that I picked up. So um, at some point while the crowd was entertaining themselves, Joey gave us an update on Tommy Dreamer, and he quips, "Tommy Dreamer is all
0: guts." Awesome.
1: I just literally, like, literally trying to think of a guy that was literally all <laughs> guts. <laughs> it's like a big slime Ugh. man. And um, when, when the when the women tagged in the match and. Uh, Ariel was the man, Kelly got in the ring with her. Taz was like, "You go, girl, get head." <laughs> what? I must have misheard. Like that. Oh, Taz just doesn't give a fuck. Anymore. I think I tuned
0: him out by this point. He was just that bad.
1: Maybe. Yeah, just poor Kelly Kelly at this point. I haven't been given any training whatsoever. She did a back bump for being kicked
0: in the gut. It was was poor. I don't think I wrote a single move down other than the finishing sequence from the girls. It was just really bad stuff. They um, continue to beat down on... On Mike Knox, I think it was, and the Sandman comes out, not to enter Sandman, so just shitting on ECW a little bit more. I do understand that decision, but it still sucks. He then canes Thorne and runs them off through the crowd, toasting them with a beer. So another guy, Sandman, that you know, I know his ring work wasn't stellar, but is he not someone that you could have had in a match to just come out and have a hardcore weapons brawl, which was pretty much a big part of ECW back in the day, and just give it some authentic feel here? Could he not have could he not have For Mike Knox and beat him up with trash cans and Singapore canes for five minutes?
1: Well, you see, I was thinking about fantasy booking this show to get a bit more value out of it, and maybe you have this plot where Heyman tries to get Holly into the chamber match and goes to gang up on Sam, um, Sabu, but, oh, wait, look, it's a Sandman, and he's twatting him with a Singapore cane, so it's like, okay, you want him so bad, you face him in a Singapore cane match, and there's another match on your card, and it actually has some kind of build to it as well, rather than, okay, fair Absolutely, I mean, now. even
0: Sandman come out and take Umbridge to the fact that he's called himself Hardcore Holly, copying ECW. Like, there's a, you know... So many easy fixes to make this card more bearable. Let Tommy Dreamer use plunder if he's going to fight Divari. Let him hit a couple of weapon spots on Carly. Carly nails him back and then gets ejected. Like, fuck, you could make this better with five minutes thought. Yep. Plunder, Let them do what they do best. Don't bring in all the guys that beat each other up with chairs and then say, chain wrestle, please. Uh, anyway, um, we then go back for another promo with Paul Heyman. And we get the, um, we get told the day of Sabu, the Sandman, and RVD is done, and that's certainly the way they want to head with this company. And it's time for the Extreme Elimination Chamber, which we'll see Bobby Lashley, The Big Show, Rob Van Dam, CM Punk, Hardcore Holly now, and Test compete for the ECW title.
1: There's lots of interesting points that come up from Paul Heyman's pre-match promo that you just mentioned
4: so, first of all,
1: Joey Spotson is like, 1982 call, they want their haircut back. <sighs> and there was a pretty decent sign in the crowd that said, Championship material yep. punk.
0: Yeah, they, they spotted it early.
1: Pretty um, clever. So, is all going on about this long time. He's like, Long after my death, ECW will live on. And some smart just goes, Bullshit! <laughs> It's literally, there's like one specific smark you can hear in the crowd just counteracting all of Heyman's points here. Um, another thing that Heyman says, like, Tonight, Paul Heyman decides to top himself. I think that could be interpreted in another. Did you get the right impression then. list?
0: After so the did you get the impression show. listening to this promo that he might have known his time was up?
1: I think he could tell the end was coming here, really, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the smirk was like, this is like, where's the French show?" Yeah, I did
0: catch that line actually. Just it, shut it, up. T-
1: maybe <laughs> it, it
0: target
1: somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that Heine is talking about how it's all about the the global phenomenon, led by your ECW champion, the Big Show, who's going to retire next mm, year?
0: Not quite. Uh,
1: Big Show. He oh, look
0: he terrible. looks awful. Really bad.
1: You know, you were saying on our Royal Rumble episode, like, oh, he looks in a state here. I don't think he's going to get much worse than this.
2: <laughs>
1: I present to
0: you much yep, worse. This works. is bad, bad, big show. Him and Road Dog have been working out at the same gym.
1: Speaking of working out, test.
0: Oh, my God. He's going to pop out of his fucking skin.
1: Oh my lord, he's—he must be like twice as wide as when he left for WWE. He's really been um
0: he...
1: working at his physique,
2: yeah, shall we say? He
0: looks like a veiny monster. He just looks too big for his skin. It's—it's it's scary. I—I I, I always liked Test. I had a soft spot for him, and I found it a bit sad now going back and watching here where he just obviously gassed up to the point where his heart gave way it, it's really awful because the guy was always well built anyway he didn't need to do this
1: yeah i agree like look at him in 2001
0: and yeah was great i mean me. there was never any question marks over him he looked like a wrestler yeah
1: yeah you, re- you fast forward five years later to this and it, it's it's sad no, it's, yes. it's not. You know. I
0: actually, as he's getting into the chamber, I've got a note here that um, I have time to pause the TV and play Dot to Dot on his back. It,
1: oh,
2: yeah. It, it was bad. Um,
0: that's one of them things. I, know I listened to um, OSW back in the day, and they always talked about back knee, and I never noticed it really. I just don't pick up on these things typically, but on test it was bad.
1: Well, you mentioned, uh, oh, got the time to do this, this and this, you'd probably have a time to do a heck of a lot of stuff in between the start of this match and the um, when they had the pre-match package or whatever, because there was quite Yeah, the song. intros
0: took a long, long time as well, and getting them into the pods also took a long time. It was, yeah, dragged out as much as it could be. The actual match gets underway with RVD and Hardcore Holly starting. They trade, uh, trade some clotheslines before RVD misses a crossbody and sticks to the cage, Spider-Man style, which is always a cool spot from Van Dam. Holly then slams him down on the steel grate for a two count. Um, he hit, goes for the jumping nothing and eats a boot from RVD. RVD hits Rolling Thunder from inside the ring over the top rope to Holly on the steel in another really cool spot. And then Holly suplexes RVD back inside the ring for a two-count, hits his beautiful dropkick for a two-count, and the fans get right into the countdown Royal Rumble style. And the third man in is surprisingly babyface CM Punk, so bucking the tradition of two heels coming in for the beatdown.
1: The early goings here is solid wrestling, but it's so weird seeing like this mid-card player for life in this really big time gimmick much. For, is usually reserved for like top tier main event. Yeah, people. it was
0: very, very subdued considering the match they were in. Punk comes in and he's got a chair in his pod so he throws that at Holly and hits a springboard clothesline to RVD so they're certainly not teaming up. RVD then throws the chair at Punk and Monkey flips him onto the chair before avoiding a Van Daminator by CM Punk and he leg drops RVD onto the chair which was really cool. RVD's busted open on that spot and then he, his head goes through the chair and he gets kicked hard by CM Punk on the other side of the chair in another really cool spot before Punk gets caught by Hardcore Holly and picked up power bump style but swung into the chain link of the pod, of the chamber, sorry, in a really cool move. Crowd's really into Punk as well, so him and RVD both in the match but all the chance of CM Punk at this point.
1: Oh yeah, it's a, Fresh guy. Holly
0: hits a sidewalk slam for a two-count, and then a superplex on punk for a two-count, before the next pod opens up, and it is test.
1: Uh, before we get into it again, I don't know if you clocked how many times they brought up the timer in between Yeah, it was it always out. on
0: screen, wasn't it?
1: Like, yeah, like, literally 30 seconds would pass, and they'd bring it up again, and then they'd flash it away, and they're like how much time we got left, bring it up on screen again. This is literally like, you know, the, the, the producers and stuff even were gagging for someone to come out.
0: Like, they're oh. bored backstage. That's a really bad sign. Yeah. <laughs> Tess comes yeah. out, and interestingly, his weapon is a crowbar, and in a really gross but cool-looking spot, claws are to his head with the crowbar. He's just hooking at him with it. It's brilliant. Yeah. RBD then nails Test and Holly both with the chair and hits a corner dropkick on Punk before hitting a five-star frog splash on CM Punk and eliminating him to an initial pop for the pin and then boos when they realised Punk was gone first. Oh,
1: dear. You've lost... You've had the two guys that the crowd were most invested in at odds with each other for most of the match, and one of them eliminates the other ones. Yeah, so, you know. this
0: was due to be three guys that the crowd loves, RVD, Sabu, CM Punk. And now, it's not three faces and three heels, but it was three guys they cared about. You took one out before the match, and you eliminated the first one by the other one they liked early doors. What a stupid decision. You don't like who you like. <laughs> Just screams it, doesn't it? Really bad, bad choice.
1: Uh Absolutely.
0: Test then immediately nails his cool-looking big boot on Holly for a three-count or a two-count or a three-count. We're not quite sure. Commentators don't know. And eventually the ref says, fuck off, mate, you're out.
1: <laughs> Never got counted down properly.
0: That looks so Really odd. bad. A spot. Um, cool spot there, though. Face eliminating face and heel turning on heel. So at least it's sold the prestige of what this is all about. The title's more important than The Allegiance.
1: I guess it didn't even up like that in a way. Yeah, not
0: thought of that. RVD goes up to the top of Big Show's pod in a rather stupid move and gets his leg grabbed from through the pod by the Big Show, allowing Tess to climb up and nail him with a chair and then elbow drop him off the pod onto the chair for the three count to a pissed-off crowd and a bullshit chant knowing that the only two guys left that we care about are already gone.
1: Yep, and not just that. This elimination came a good 90 seconds before the next (laughs) entry was due out. So you've got this
0: dead time. to Test in the middle of the chamber is not quite stone cold pointing to his imaginary watch on the turnbuckle.
1: No. Well, you see, they cut to a replay to eat into some time, and then when they cut back, there's still 40 seconds to go until the next entry.
0: Really, really, really bad decision.
1: But you know how you're saying on the last episode how, you know, you can see running times on matches now with
0: the streaming and stuff, and sometimes you, like, glance it yep. to see how much is left. This kind Absolutely. of felt like that. like, how long's left in the show, let alone the next tantrum. Um, yeah. We get a bullshit chant, as I was sp- speaking about earlier, and then Heyman's personal security in the right gear, a la Edge at one night stand, stop Lashley's pod from opening. So as if that wait wasn't long enough, but they don't want to let him out now. I <laughs> uh, Can you
1: remember who it was underneath? Uh, um,
0: was it, um... Oh, was it the Basham brothers? Uh, ah, There we go. Trivia note: yes, I've, I've yeah. got one. Um, and this is an interesting way to kill the allure of the chamber, the mystique of of the um, the whole structure. Lashley's weapon of choice in his pod is a wooden table. Now, we all know, historically, wooden tables in wrestling are somewhat flimsy. Not this one. He's able to, holding a table in a very confined space, thrust it upwards and break the chain above him.
1: You know how JR on commentary would always be like, Oh, skull on steel, you know who wins in that contest? This kind of blows out that whole logic. I was like, oh, my God, it's
0: wood on steel. No, no you wood don't. Is wood. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, this makes a... Um, I always found it funny, the first elimination chamber, when JR was, it's bulletproof glass, it's bulletproof glass. Oh, well, it was bulletproof, but it's not cane-proof. <laughs> this made that look good. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. How does a wooden table break a chain? Uh
1: the,
2: the glass I'd always
0: live with because I kind of
1: figure it's just like
4: just yes, as long as it yeah.
1: doesn't shatter so it just like comes out of its positioning in in the yep. pod so I can live with that like the force being enough to separate it if it like cuts open and stuff I'm like oh, yeah, yeah you killed this gimmick
0: <laughs> but yeah this this um it ruins the whole chamber for me because I think hey, well that's not really chain that's um, a bit of you know paper mache painted black <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Anywho, he gets out, um, comes off the top rope with a clothesline and then throws Test through one of the pod doors, a couple more clothesline to mild booze, a suplex, and then hits a crowbar to the gut and Spears Test for the three count with a whole minute left before the Big Show is to come out of his pod. So they've just one-upped you again.
1: One minute. Oh. <sighs>
0: so we wait and we wait and we wait. And then when it's time for him to come out, Big Show unhooks his weapon, which is a barbed wire wrapped baseball bat, and swings it at Lashley, who uses his steel chair as a shield. He then throws the Big Show through a pod and busts him open. Then Show beals him, and I've got his, snot drops from his face already, so really good stuff there. Hits a clothesline, and Lashley reverses a chokeslam into a DDT and a spear for a three count. No pop. They are not interested whatsoever
1: whole heap of misdirection around that spear i think it's kind of like roman and the undertaker this year like oh shit which high do you yep. deal?
0: and just flat flat flat
1: it's again you don't like what you like i think really this all stems from like back in october lashley was still on down and he got made the number one contender yep. for the world title and the buy rates of that pay-per-view weren't doing anything, so they panicked and they made it a four-way instead. But Lashley is kind of Vince's pet project. So he put him on ECW. He's like, all oh, right, you don't think he's a world champion here? I'll put him somewhere where he will be a world
0: champion. Damn it. Just
1: having a putty at uh, the audience. Take what is Lashley it about basically.
0: Vince that he just gets this bit between his teeth with characters and can't let go? Like He just decides, no, they're a top guy. But then other guys don't get over it and they're binned. Like, I've seen guys, you know, come in, look like they're going to be a big star. Like, if you take... I know he's not a, a big star, certainly, but Kevin Thorne, who we saw earlier, Mordecai was groomed to be an Undertaker opponent and was binned within two months.
1: Oh, I, I loved the whole concept of Mordecai. I was so disappointed when he just disappeared.
0: Yeah. So I just, you sure. know, I don't get why some guys are able to just be dropped off. Like, Matt Morgan's a guy I look at and think, that was a specimen, and they came out and made him stutter. But Lashley, they wanted to push to the moon. Um, Roman Reigns, today, they want to push to the moon and they can't help it. And I don't care what anybody says. He's not being booked as a heel. They're giving him heel tendencies to allow him to beat more people before re-pushing him as the monster babyface.
1: I think... um, I am a big fan of Roman, but I think they're just sticking to their guns because they are getting a reaction. And they're worried if they change stuff, they're going to get... I quite like Roman and I don't think
0: there's any reason why he can't be a main event player for years to come. But just back off a little bit and don't back off as in we'll take him out of the world title match but still have him win every single match on TV every single week no matter how many people are against him. Actually just treat him like the other top tier guys. Treat him like you treat Ambrose for a year and he'll be fine. He wins some, he loses some. He's better than most guys on the card, no problem. Or I think they've done that much damage to him now. You've got two choices turn him heel, put the shield back together. Otherwise, it's never going to change. They're all the same yeah, front. Right well, though, we can hope, they? because I think, you know, they've in pushing him, they've done him no favours. Anywho, I digress. We're talking about Lashley here, and, you know, that's a good example for where it ends, because he had to leave the company, because it just wasn't going to go anywhere. Well,
1: it was all about falling out on how they treated Crystal or something, I think. He, yeah, he he was injured with his shoulder, and when he was due to come back, like they were about to release his wife, I think, and he just like, oh, okay, well, I'm, um, I'm not into this either. I'm gonna go and and, and support my better. Jerry Lawler and
0: the cat all over again.
1: Uh, it's worked out a lot better for last minutes as well.
0: But yeah, no, just a poor decision here. I mean, same like looking at the exact same point of view. I think with lashley they could have made him a top tier guy they just needed to back off a little bit and you don't put an ecw show on and make him better than everyone in ecw fresh off two awesome pay-per-views of the two one night stand series that show there's still a big audience for ecw who want to see ecw just give them what they want and take their money
1: yeah and uh, again, like I was saying, he was he was kind of on the cusp of being a world title guy on SmackDown, but then it didn't work out, so he's just kind of thrown over to ECW like, you know, yesterday's news or something. It's like, well, okay, so ECW's obviously not as good as
0: SmackDown. I'm waiting right. to see him turn up um, in the pop- political sector now, since he and Donald Trump were such good friends.
1: <laughs> such good friends. Yeah, my guy, no Lindsay. <laughs> Brilliant stuff.
0: Anywho, we've um, dissected December to Dismember nicely now, so should we head over and compare them head-to-head?
5: Well, ECW was calling it ECW, and it was anything but ECW. And the audience hated it. And as the audience kept firing back against this presentation to us, I had a scenario. We were walking into the Elimination Chamber... And I had a scenario, once again, understanding the influence of mixed martial arts. I wanted Punk to choke out the Big Show, who was the champion, in the first five minutes of the Elimination Chamber. So then you would have the scenario of, you know a new champion will be crowned in this match. Now, the two scenarios that I had where either Punk makes it to, to the last to, to the last elimination and Bobby Lashley turns heel on Punk and you have Punk chase Lashley to WrestleMania, or Punk wins it. I also have even a third suggestion um, that Lashley eliminates Punk with controversy and Rob Van Dam wins it, Um. Uh, where Lashley would, would do a, uh, a German suplex on Punk and they both have their shoulders down, uh, Lashley would lift his shoulder up at the last second, but Van Damme hits a top rope splash. So as Lashley pins Punk, Van Dam pins Lashley. Um, but the big push that I had was for Punk to be crowned the champion, and now we would have a unique personality who was not WWE branded that was going to be the face of the promotion. And Vince rejected it, and at, at, by this time, Vince and I were so at each other's throats that it was really my cue to leave. I was burned out i need I, I needed to go away. I had lost my my love and my passion for what we were doing um, I, I I kept seeing the rise of mixed martial arts as far more exciting. I was launching my my agency in New York City, and I just had lost my passion for it. So um, Vince and I ended up butting heads to such a degree that it was obvious that this town ain't big enough for the two of us. And since he's the majority stake uh, shareholder and the chairman of the board, if one of these guys is going to leave town, my suggestion to you would be that guy's going to be me. It's not going to be Vince. Yeah, that's right. Right. right, (laughs) Good math on your part. He wasn't going to go home and say, there are the keys. You run it, world.
3: <laughs> yeah, here's the jet. Enjoy, Paul.
5: Right, right. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, and it took five and a half years for us to end up even wanting to work together again. Uh, and, and, and that's where we are today. We, we, we've, uh, we've come to where we are now. And I think, you know, I've known Vince in, in, in many ways since I was 14 years old. So... It's been a long road with the two of us. Um, and there was a lot of personal baggage at the time. And, you know, the, the five and a half years away were was a really great gift for me.
0: Okay, so first section we have to look at, as always, is the crowd heat. Um, pretty easy choice for me. Who have you got in this one?
1: TNA because they didn't turn
2: against the show as actively as. Um, This is one
0: one time and one time only when a smaller crowd will benefit you, because four and a half thousand chanting change the channel, (laughs) Um, just adds voice to the (laughs) disgust. Um, I definitely went TNA. Um, The they were a little bit overbearing at times with the the dual chants and the you know a little bit too eager to be hyped up, but the main event gave them. A reason for all that and they were hot so you know 900 definitely came across better than the four and a half thousand ecw upset unhappy customers looking for refunds
1: well you see, four and a half thousand in ecw you gotta believe a good couple thousand were papers. i yeah? would say
0: so yeah and they didn't look happy for, for that either so really really yeah. bad um storylines which way did you go for that one
1: TNA again, even though they had ridiculous angles that were just, like, wasting time. Um, You had Daniels and, you know, his respect with Jerry Lynn, that kind of thing. Uh, Rhino and AJ looked intriguing for the future. LAX, uh, sorry, AMW possibly on the splits. Lots of intrigue there, and... Yeah, just Joe having his Yeah, religion. I mean, it's some kind of... of the
0: stories weren't great. Think um, the Eric Young, Robert Roode stuff. and um, the, Certainly the, the um, dumb to the extreme VKM nonsense. But most of the matches did have a story. Also, the Nash being in the X Division was, was stupid as well. But Jerry Lynn being involved with the X Division was a good story. Joe and Angle... Last time ever, we promise, holy shit, it's one all. Will they go to a, a, a dead rubber? That's a, a great story. Um, the world title match h- had a storyline, and it was crap, but it was there. Um, the flag match was certainly a good story, so there was a lot of them. Whereas I felt like a lot of this ECW stuff, granted I didn't have access to watch the ECW weekly television, was just pay-per-view filler. So it reminded me of 1980s superstars more than it did a pay-per-view.
1: Exactly. This is probably just a symptom of you have only one hour a week to build to stuff and your main event has six of your top guys in there so obviously that's so really
0: really just hands down win for tna there now as far as characters go which way did you go uh
1: tna again really just so many just recycled going nowhere people on ecw it's just like and you know like the mixed tag as well like who am i meant
2: to cheer for in that match like
0: kelly's the only baby face for me it was an easy one you didn't have sabu in the main event and you didn't have a sandman match and you look at how many ecw guys are on the brand there's not all that many really you've got the big name players sabu sandman rob van damme tommy dreamer to a lesser extent And from there, you've got lower tier guys, Balls Mahoney, FBI, and that's it. And to have two of the big four names not wrestle is just, it's not ECW anymore. And I have no problem with the idea here that they could get the likes of Lashley and Punk and even Mike Knox over. Because, you know, it was, what, five years after ECW closed shops? You couldn't just have the same roster. But there was a way to make money slowly building those guys around the core of who were there originally. It's just so easy to see that it's it's maddening. Um, mm. Production value. Which way did you go for that one?
1: Um, I'm narrowly really going to go for TNA here. Like ECW didn't have. I mean, although I was in a bigger like WWE style arena, it didn't have quite the nice production touches of a big WWE pay per view and. You know,
0: it, it didn't
1: know whether it wanted to be ECW or WWE, basically. Yeah, I,
0: I couldn't yeah. really fault either. There was no outstanding piece of production on either show, but ECW quite clearly didn't run long enough. So I'm just going to punish them for that and go TNA because they couldn't fill their three-hour slot.
4: Oh, well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, from a production standpoint, the
1: layout of the show is mm-hmm. yeah, a big part of that, so
0: yeah. Now, Match Quality jangry. is the final category. Do you go TNA again, or did WWE sneaker win?
1: Oh, hands down, TNA, yeah. Um, Angle, Joe, um, there's lots of good action in the Division matches, and the flag match is rather interesting, even though the were screwy finishes. Uh, <laughs> ECW, just filled with stuff you'd be embarrassed to put on at a house show, let alone a yeah, television if, show. Yeah, if I was
0: watching that as a live event, I'd not. I, I wouldn't go again. And TNA obviously oh. had Angle and Joe. So, I mean, there was some other good stuff on the sh- on the card. But Angle and Joe, quite clearly, is better than anything else on either show. If you took your three favourite matches combined, it's better than them.
1: I can't think <laughs> of three favourite matches from <laughs> ECW. <laughs> Literally, um, the only thing from that show that was in league with TNA's yeah. best was the And even then,
0: them. I thought that went too long. So, you know, whilst it was good, it was still very flawed. Mm. So let me just put this into perspective then uh, as I flick back to my TNA notes just to really hammer home the point here. A show that had Kevin Nash accusing an X-Division competitor of being on steroids while claiming to be the founder of the X-Division, Eric Young competing in a bikini contest, a fat road dog and Billy Gunn calling out by their shoot names, Shaw Michaels and Triple H and Vince McMahon offering them money to fight them and had Jim Cornette interviewing two baseball guys beat a WWE pay-per-view in every single category. That's December to Dismember in a nutshell. TNA put on probably the worst three-hour pay-per-view I've watched of theirs yet, and it killed December to Dismember. Oh, wow. The main event was great, as I said, but you had, I mean looking at turning point i'm watching it thinking this is shit that was my thought for most of the way through there was a decent bit of action in a couple of matches and the main event saved it but the actual the flow of the show was awful the storylines the commentary there was so much about it that was horrible and it still murdered this pay-per-view yeah it like for me just went up
1: and down and up and down and up and down where i went from like Why the hell is this here? To okay, here's some interesting wrestling. And fucking hell, what are you doing this for? Like, oh, okay, yeah, and it's
0: still hands down won the month. That that says it all. So, I guess I was wrong. December to December is as bad as everybody says it is. (laughs) Oh my god, I genuinely didn't think it could be that bad. I didn't think it could live up to the infamy.
1: It's like it runs a good half an hour 40 minutes short of a general pay-per-view room time and it's still excruciating yeah i didn't get through either watch.
0: of these shows in one sitting okay so that's that's the um the rundown um in possibly the the worst head-to-head battle um since i did the bunkhouse stampede and the 88 royal rumble yeah this was bad <laughs> at least thank god for angle and joe so this is why kurt angle is the greatest so, from here, I, I guess we're going to head back to 2010 next and start looking at, um, are we going to go, it's March, isn't it, the Monday Night War, it starts.
1: Yeah, so we got one more pay-per-view before the show's go Brilliant. properly head-to-head.
0: <laughs> and then, yeah, and then we go to Impact up against Raw. So, we've got some interesting stuff coming up, at least. I'm hoping we'll get a, an improvement in quality in 2010, but I won't hold my breath yet.
1: <laughs> I think one's
0: going to go one way If we're going through March We're going to get Wrestlemania as well So some good stuff Coming up oh, yeah, there yeah. Um, What about yourself, what have you got coming up in the near future Have you and Kyle got anything planned For the next few weeks, months
1: Yeah, literally About a third of the way through editing Our Wrestlemania 33 episode So expect that nice. at some point this week Um from then on there we're looking to do a sort of q a based episode something in the vein of like bring it to the table so just any if you have any kind of questions on wrestling that you'd like to hear me and kyle discuss and feel free to get in touch with us our dms are open <laughs> as dubious as that sounds i
0: i, I think i um and i'm yeah. gonna send in a question that, well several questions that just says triple h over booker t why triple h <laughs> over <laughs> scott steiner two months in a row why <laughs> uh, that'll be good fun yeah. actually i'm looking forward to listening to that and your mania episode as well because i did sit through mania this year and watch the whole lot so looking forward i didn't watch the pre-show don't kill me i, I don't have seven hours no, that should be good. Um, we've got obviously the stuff we just talked about coming up. I've got an 80s show coming up in the next couple of weeks with Richie and a lot more 96 coming up in the pipeline. So that should be all good as well. Um, and as always, you can catch myself, yourself, Kyle, and the. What's the then the now whatever Twitter handle? It's
1: at TNW Podcast we're crawling our way towards 800 followers. So even if you don't have time to listen to the show itself, just come and give us a follow. We like to have it. Yeah, absolutely. And again and find
0: a lot of good stuff quite often on there. I, I like our back and forward battles we have. <laughs> but no, there's some good stuff coming up. Um, so do give those guys a follow and go and listen to their show as well because it's excellent. Um, stay tuned for more stuff here and that'll pretty much do it for tonight. So thank you very much, Duncan, for coming on. Oh, so thanks always. for listening. As always.
4: Perfect. Hello boys and girls. How are you? You know, today is gonna to be a wonderful day. Wow. Today could be a wonderful day for many reasons. We might get mail from the postman, or we might just get a song from Ace. Because I'm back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Oh yeah, man, how you doing? You good? I know you like that. I know. You... In the club, they're getting wild for me. And all the pretty chicks all wanna smile at me. These rap cats, man, they all got this style for me. And if I ever see them, man, they probably bow to me. And when this beat drop, I know they gon' lean. World debut, I know they gon' fiend. Everything Mississippi to the Palm Springs. Girls from Brunettes down to Blonde Queens. These young boys don't know what a Don mean. I'm just a bad boy gone clean I'm the diamond chain choker, always remain sober Don't drink liquor and all the game's over Need a plane, I explain it to my broker Three bots in the hood top down, and it ain't over You know there's more man, where that come from? Me and Kuda love rolling back to back in one Season names have all changed since I've been around But the game
2: ain't the same since I left out
4: i so much, they wanna know who I'm coached by. Everyday approached by chicks when I was old top. Wanna give me so side, but I'm like, don't try. I see the hisses and the disses when I go by. But see the misses on my wrists when I float by. Self control, and I can't tell you no lie. Tryna find a soulmate, you end up being so tired. I make my money, man, without the coca. Living La Vida without the loca. I'm down south, so they show me country love, and I ain't even country thug. The people give me daps and hug so it must be love and I love the country grub it feels good to hear people singing welcome back and I ain't even selling the track cuz I'm that Harlem cat Wednesday I told him if he did have my money by Friday I was gonna break my foot off and his that it? are we live <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen we interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you this emergency announcement he is back ladies and gentlemen Mason's is back we back I love you too, baby. After a five year hiatus, he has returned back to the game, and the public outcry is tremendous. Bad boy plays New York, makes this bad! We're live here in the streets of New York, Times Square, and Macy's back. Back to you, Tracy. Bad boy, baby. You know you like that. You know you like that. You know you like that. Season names have all changed since I've been around. The game ain't the
2: same since I left out